Welcome to Game Face, episode 348 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield. And as I told you in last week's episode, we have a very special guest for this week's show. And that person is Adam Sessler. Hey, <laughs> What's I like up, the, Adam? I like the twinkle fingers. That, that, that's how I know I'm special. That's right. Is this. Yeah. Such as hands. It's more like. <laughs> Ragtime. Yeah, Adam, welcome to Game Phase. It's been uh, a long time since you've been, been on Game Phase because you were on G4 and a bunch of stuff for a while. Um, and you've yeah. left G4. And I just want to thank you for taking the time. I don't know if I left G4. G4 decided to self-immolate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody had the choice of leaving G4. I think yeah. it, it just kind of happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're glad you you're free now. there. Yeah, we're glad that you're free now. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. Um, really appreciate it. Obviously, you and I worked together for a really long time very on long time. Tech TV at, and G4. I got a lot G4. of love for you. Yeah. And um, just glad to uh, that you managed to find some time to come on Game Face with us. What have you been up to, Adam? For well, the last, um, I, I have been time a year to come now on Game Face left. because all I have is time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, right. Ar- this It's funny. Right around... The period that G4 kind of poof, uh, disappeared. I was actually kind of barely working for them at that point. I had sort of decided to wind down my level of participation. I was just going to be showing up to, for work once mm-hmm. or twice a month. It would probably look differently uh, with the number of videos. Just uh, to shoot raps and things like that. It, it was less raps and then just doing my own segments. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. You know, it, it becomes something of a deconstructed X play. Uh, where there was less of a hosted show than segments of X-Play appearing on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would just be re- recording four or five of those. Um, but yeah, right around that time, uh, I think the last time I was on Game Face, I, was, uh, I had started a company that was doing... Uh, you know, Spike Trap. Kind of an, yeah, exactly. Spike Trap. It was machine learning driven uh, technology to try to really kind of amass what people were saying about video games to better understand when anger was truly you know actionable and when it was right. just like kind of a tempest in just the teapot. yeah uh lo and behold while i had left that company uh a while back uh reddit decided to buy it and i suddenly found myself in a option to stop working so i did <laughs> wow that's awesome yeah. congratulations yeah. adam thank you thank you uh given the way that reddit's behaving right now uh, I'm trying yeah. to keep a low profile because I don't <laughs> want to think I helped make well, that happen. Well, when the sale went through, they were the good Reddit, right? So they were the good Reddit, and <laughs> and uh, most likely, I have I had, I had no party, you know, other than signing documents. I had nothing to do with 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 that deal. Yeah. But um, Reddit does have because of the way people write on it, probably some of the best uh, material if you want to train up an AI system mm. on how people talk. Oh, that's actually uh, true. Is. That was so, a smart purchase for them, actually. Yeah, that's and and, and we, we were one of many, from what I gathered, of, of AI companies. So that's why I think it may have something to do with them not letting the third-party apps suddenly have access to what is something of a treasure trove in terms of just Data. how people communicate. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all your success, well, you. Mr. Sessler. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I can, I think, I can think a few people more deserving, honestly. So. Oh, thanks, man. That's uh, I, 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 Well, I, I wish it for you as well. Well, sifted. 
Yeah, so, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, I, uh, thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. that's awesome. But I'm glad you decided to break out of your nothingness. Yes. <laughs> break out of your hodgepodge of nothingness to come and do the show. Yes. You are still playing games. You still oh, love yeah. video games. Um, and anybody like that is always welcome on Game Face. So, Adam, again, thank you very much for taking the time. I know doing a two plus hour podcast is not something that most people sign up for when they're basically on vacation for the rest of their lives. So. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually it's like, oh, yeah, because I have thoughts about games yeah. a lot. And they're not like panic thoughts about meeting a deadline. So uh, this this is perfect. Well, this show will get you locked back in real quick. That's that's how Game Face works, man. You have no choice. Just the topics that we cover, it will get you right back into the groove. So we really appreciate you showing up. And uh, this is going to be an awesome episode. I hope you guys are excited that Adam decided to make it. Because you haven't really been on anything in like a year, no. right? No, 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 no. I kind of forswore. There, there, there. It was one of those, and you're different, Shane, because like you're my buddy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's always that. Like, I'm like, it's always fun to do one, but then ten other people suddenly have requests, you know, lined up, and so it's they like, think, oh, some... Adam's doing podcast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so just for those watching, this might be the only one for a while. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're the ones who got you. Yeah. Um, so you don't you haven't been on Game Face for a while, but how we do things is we do housekeeping at the beginning of the show. We tackle a bunch of smaller stories and we have a handful of them for today's episode. The first one we're going to talk about is something that maybe you agree with me on a little bit more than Matt does. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but we found out this week that E3 is basically officially dead for good. Um, the local authorities here in Los Angeles shared that they had canceled their reservations for 2024 and 2025, um, basically saying that either E3 isn't going to happen in L.A. or it's just dead. I tend to think it's probably dead given the the happenings over the last like three or four years. I am really upset that E3 has basically dissolved and it's going away. Matt doesn't really give a crap at all, which I'll be honest with you, Adam, I've been really surprised that he doesn't care. Like, he really doesn't care at all. Like, he has no nostalgia for E3 or anything. I do. I understand, you know, the the way the winds are blowing, that maybe it isn't ideal and they do need to pivot and change. But I just have so many amazing memories from E3 that it just is almost hurtful to know that it's going away. What? How do you feel about it? You know, it's funny. I have vacillated on this topic probably for the last five years. Yeah, um, I think a lot of us have. Yeah, yeah. I think there's times where I'm like, yeah, let it die. Mm -hmm. It's over. Uh, where there's also the, the, the one thing I do believe, and this goes back actually to, to the company I had and kind of looking at the data, is that... Um, Sometimes you need to realize that people who are not the hardest hardcore gamers, uh, but like that kind of middle set, they, they really enjoy it. Uh, they would like to always be abreast of things, but, you know, they don't just kind of they they don't make it kind of second to their job is the things they do. Yeah, they don't uh, listen to Game Face or watch Game Face. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're cool that, with like whatever they stumble across basically on social media. Right, and they're more than happy to receive it when they find it. Mm -hmm. That group can't keep abreast of everything throughout the year. But what mm -hmm. they can do is make plans in advance to pay close attention for a week of the year. Yeah. And there is so I don't think it necessarily E3 itself needs to exist, but the idea of a games week or something like that, 
um, a time I, that they can set aside to make yeah, an appointment to engage it's with the industry for the industry to do it. I think mm -hmm. E3 in its better incarnations was the best way to go about doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I can both describe to the young people what it really used to be like yeah. when there was an entire half pipe at the Activision booth and Tony yeah. Hawk was performing yeah. three of the five days that I believe E3 was going on for. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it, it's big. It's exciting. It costs a lot of money. I know where the companies are coming from. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it also, Do you think the companies are being cheap though, Adam, because I mean, you look at the financials, these companies are making more money than they've ever made. Yeah. I, are they I mean, they were okay with like pinching into a much smaller budget back then to be a part of E3. And now all of a sudden they're like, you know what? We're going to keep that money. I, no, I don't think they were being cheap. Uh, there's one company that I had worked with off and on. Uh, and the thinking about how they wanted to spend on the show floor was really old school thinking. It was like mm -hmm. old Hollywood thinking where yeah. it's kind of, well, We'll bring in it's, some celebrities. It, we'll bring in some booth right. babes. But it, it's <laughs> kind of trying to show up the other guys. It uh -huh. really is a certain type of measuring contest, yeah. or or like the 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 business card scene from American Psycho. <laughs> um, and so a lot of money gets spent to very very little impact. Back in the old days, when there was more than just GameStop and Walmart that were the retailers, and there were all these mom and pop retailers, it made sense mm -hmm. because you were getting commitments to how many, like numbers of buy. Final yeah. Fantasy eight buyers were, were there. Get yeah, yeah, and so you kind of wanted to have the booth babes and all this silliness to be able to get people into the booth and like see if you could woo them. Mm -hmm. Um, that whole purpose shifted to well what was Digital. left of the press and i don't know who else was there yeah they were, they were there <laughs> i still don't know what they were doing a lot there. of gamestop uh, uh, retail yeah, employees yeah, a lot of my guess. Buy floor managers <laughs> yeah things like that which hey if i could go to e3 with that job i would do it too so um and, and like because everything moved online that's where the marketing went mm -hmm. um it's I, I I get where Nintendo comes from, where Sony comes from, and, and Microsoft even, with mm -hmm. these like just very internally produced videos. But what did you they, think of the Xbox showcase? The it was just like one video after another with the same bump in between done world premiere, play a video. Yeah. Done yeah. world premiere. And play a if video. It's really good. It works. So, like that Spider-Man Two demo. Once I was seeing the Venom gameplay, I'm like, okay, I'm engaged because mm -hmm. this is really visually dynamic. I can figure out how how to play this game. But for a lot of stuff that isn't an established franchise, uh, you can be really kind of like, like yeah. you're 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 not having all those other parts of the narrative. You know, hands-on gameplay. The 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 developer coming out on stage to walk you through it because i can't i can't even think how many times i had seen a trailer and was like well it gives and then upon further explanation going oh hold on this is something that's really now gotten big on my radar mm -hmm. um and that whole element has been short-circuited i guess this that's what streamers are supposed to become except <laughs> that's like hurting cats yeah, I think. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Are you going to miss E3? I was never planning on going back down again. I, oh, really? I, you I was, were never going to go back to E3? E3 four, I was doing everything in my power not to work it. So um, you won't, you don't miss it at all then. So you're like Matt. 
I used to be so tired. I, I love doing it with you <laughs> because there was because we did such good work. Yeah. And it was like, oh, and like it was kind of like when it was over, like, it was very satisfying. Yeah. It was very satisfying. The numbers had proven it out. You know, mm-hmm. I would say my great accomplishment professionally was convincing the powers that be at G4 to stop with the garbage and let's just do one game demo every 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's when we are the, like the ratings for it. It became the the, the bonanza for, for well, remember for you, you, Matt and I, we fought for E3 live coverage for years and they yeah. thought we were crazy. And yeah. we're like, no, this yeah. is what's happening. This is the future the lives, the live coverage the live streams of e3 and they finally gave in and did it and we hit our highest numbers ever yeah exactly like, exactly <laughs> we're like and, and that's, <laughs> that's so like I, I i know that works and how satisfying it was but it's not like that everyone anymore. started to do it all of a sudden resources to do it seemed to be drying up what i did to myself physically at uh when i was at rev3 where everyone thought i was on drugs was a man who was getting no sleep losing his voice I, also there was a it was so loud, but the mics were too good. You couldn't tell. So I'm also competing with something so loud. I couldn't hear the person I was interviewing. And that just kind of broke my soul. And it's just, it's also, if E3 isn't at its best, it can be a painful sight. Those, those remaining years were sad. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, once EA kind of jettisoned and Sony was showing one game before they fully left, it started to have this like, this isn't a healthy industry. Like this, like, it, 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 there was like, it was palpable anxiety. I wouldn't, if E3 came back and it was old school E3 and I could get a VIP pass and go down for the day, oh, I'd do it. Yeah. But I just, I, I don't not- know if like, if that, whatever the hell it was in those last five years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that I could be terribly, like, I, I think I would rather have it go away. I still think something's going to come back. I mean, it's just, I don't the, the, know, the, man, I kept saying that, but I really don't, at this point, I really don't, I don't think know if it it'll is. be E3. I mean, the other thing too, let's be honest, the ESA has dropped the ball. It has had oh. multiple chances to fix this problem and it can't do it. So yeah. If it hasn't done it before and it's brought in all these consultants. I don't think it's going to be the ESA. That's what, where I think the problem was. Yeah. And A, because the ESA cannot get these companies to play ball with each other. It's like the, the reason. Yeah. Uh, the they best can't get Jeff Keighley to play ball with them. <laughs> Jeff Keighley clearly has it out for them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He says he doesn't. And like, he's like, no, <laughs> oh. this just happened organically. It's like, do you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. Or do you think mm-hmm. it was all part of his plan? Oh, yeah, I, I think it was his plan. I yeah, don't know I do this too. from a fact. And look, I don't begrudge him. Yeah. He's a businessman. So yeah. <laughs> it's smart. If you sense been, weakness, it's smart to swoop know, in. Well, I've been on the receiving end of his machinations. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I think a lot of people have, actually, that may not even realize it. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it's... Uh, I don't know if the format that Summer Games Fest is uh, works either. I think to neuter it of, I, I'm the guy who hates console war nonsense, mm-hmm. but you need to have a little of that. Okay, I'll sh- if you show me mine, I'll show you yours. Yeah, that, I mean it that, gets people that excited. Goes on, so, yeah. um, and with Sony I doing will... his thing like weeks and weeks yeah. before, it's like you lose that. You don't get that. Like okay. Microsoft showed it stuff. Now Sony gets to answer with the retort. Like that's all lost at E3. And I'm with yeah. you. Like I hate console wars, bullcrap. Like 
it drives me bonkers. And I think it's one of the worst things in this industry, but it does generate excitement and excitement gets other people involved who aren't into the console wars. So yeah, to kind of go full circle to what you were talking about earlier with spike traps data and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, 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 it's over. It's over as it's over as we know it. Something might return. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see goggles and, and, and cheese whiz. Um, another small, another, well, actually, maybe not that small. It's small for us because we live in North America. But another big story from this week was that Xbox has decided to raise its prices for its consoles in some territories up about 50 bucks in Europe. It went up like 100 euro to buy an Xbox Series X. Um, do you find it surprising that this is happening now? Because PlayStation increased the prices of PlayStation 5 months and months ago. And if yeah. I remember correctly, I think Phil Spencer said something to the effect of, we won't do that unless we absolutely have to. Do you feel like now that the supply chain issues and we're past the pandemic, do you think now is the time where you would need to increase the price of the console? What's your take on that? I think we're so far into the life cycle of this generation, which I think is going to be a very long generation, that even if people haven't bought their console yet, People have hardened on which console they're eventually going to get. And mm-hmm. so you might like it's probably gonna hurt a little bit less. My other feeling, I can't remember how many explanations they gave for it. Um, but this could also be kind of currency pressures mm-hmm. that are happening. It's not so much supply chain, but inflation. Uh, like inflation, inflation yeah. in America is like yeah. half of yeah, what exactly. it is everywhere exactly. else. Like for, for everyone like crying over the milk in Europe, it's like nine. Yeah. And there's a point where it you it just something's got to give. That's what I think is 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 primarily behind it. But they kind of held off where it probably does less damage. Uh, Sony could get could have gotten away. Sony is such a strong brand in Europe. They mm-hmm. could easily have done it for fifty euros more. Which you know, bear in mind is I think that's still like seventy five bucks. Yeah, I mean they're outselling Xbox like three to one in Europe or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and with, you know, with the UK, like being the big blocker between the Activision Blizzard deal happening, you do wonder if it makes more financial sense for Xbox to just kind of leave that market. Like, well, it's yeah. Oh, I, I think Microsoft might actually just up and be like, okay, fine. Later. I mean, I think the UK was so absurd. I mean, their, their argument is just. I'm of the camp that believes that Jim Ryan could have very well handwritten most of their arguments yeah. against Microsoft. It seemed like it. Yeah. yeah. But also, it's a little sad that in this post-Brexit, you know, England, it's like you don't have the European weight to throw around anymore. Like, mm-hmm. as a market, it's not insignificant, but yeah. it can't be ignored until they get their crap together. Yeah, uh, the absolutely. European Union, which was in which which did approve the merger, is a much more infinitely more important market um and and the other thing to bear in mind with microsoft is they do have all these other revenue sources when it comes to games Mm -hmm. and they can and i even was trying to say this back in the xbox one era that this wasn't the case then but they could still be the number two console but still be making more in revenue or potentially profits uh, with the more expensive console that's in less homes, if you can get that attach rate for the console up. And obviously the Game Pass uh, uh, subscriptions is like this massive different revenue stream. Yeah, like that... do they even care about selling consoles anymore? Like, does that even really matter? They... Like, I'm, they don't, I feel like Microsoft would almost prefer to not sell consoles oh, because chances are 
it's still probably losing money on each unit sold, yeah. which is why it's increased the price. To be yeah. my guess. Um, it, it's it's uh, they don't want to be selling a console. I think the most telling thing I heard at that notorious Xbox One launch in, mm -hmm. up at the Microsoft campus is I did my interview with Matt Booty, mm -hmm. and he said this could be our last console. I knew yeah. he was kind of talking hot air, but I See, think Patrick's belied, been saying that for like a couple years now, and people make hate, fun of him for it. But but it's, it's true. Just, Investors hate hardware. He's hearing um, it from people like. Matt Booty. That's what people yeah. don't get. They're like, oh, Pactor's crazy. It's like, he's not making that up. Like, he's yeah. hearing it from very important it's, people, and that's where it's coming from. But he's not going to divulge his sources. Hardware. Yeah. It's because you get you create inventory. That yep. means stuff that is not becoming liquid fast enough. Uh, it's it's a, manufacturing. manufacturing. It's a very sucks. difficult market. Yeah. <laughs> so if yeah. you can cut, you know, and, and this isn't just investors who are anti-game consoles. They didn't like the Surface tablet. Mm -hmm. Like there was almost a rebellion. It turns out Surface has turned to be far more successful than people expected. Yep. And the Xbox division turned out to be far more successful than people expected. Having said that, the profit margins in change significantly the minute you take manufacturing out of it. So there, like that's what X Cloud is. Mm -hmm. Like that is going yeah. to be the solution that they. But they'll admit the the, the internet infrastructure isn't there yet yeah. to be able to pull like you know something like that off. Well, they just announced forty two billion in like infrastructure for internet in the U.S. yesterday. So yeah. maybe that helps a little bit. But I think still for people like us the latency is always going to be an issue. The speed of light is only so fast. So I, I, I just can't trust. I mean, anybody who went through five on live demos is never going to believe in <laughs> X cloud. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, moving, moving on, but also staying in the Xbox camp. So because right now there are these hearings going on related to uh, Microsoft acquiring, acquiring Activision Blizzard, all these details are spilling out in the court documents and in some cases in testimony. Uh, one of the things that we learned is that a game that um, every, a lot of people are really excited for, particularly now with the movie just coming out, the new Indiana Jones game, which we got a teaser for and then we never saw again for like forever, as it turns out now that game is going to be an Xbox exclusive. This doesn't surprise me at all. Like, what's the point of these acquisitions if you're not going to have exclusive games, it's like <laughs> people are shocked. Like, oh, you want to take Call of Duty exclusive? Well, yeah, that's why we're going to spend sixty nine billion dollars. Like, why else do you spend sixty nine billion dollars on something? So it's like I feel like a lot of people, it's just reality is starting to like slap them in the face a little bit now. And they're like, oh, yeah, a lot of this stuff that Microsoft is paying for, they're going to keep for their fans. Like, no crap. That's how things work, right? Yeah, it's also, I'm just going to say it because I can't. The Sony ponies so remind me of like the religious right in this country. Oh, where it's like, you're the dominant like religion. Yeah. You, like, you, 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 laws are passed constantly in your favor. Yeah. And you still feel that you get to call yourself oppressed? No, it right. doesn't you work. You still feel like you're being way. cheated in some way. Yeah. PlayStation has exclusives out the Ass. Well, one um, we're going to talk about today, Final yeah, Fantasy 16, one of the 16. biggest third-party exclusives like ever. It's it's, it's like I, oh, like and 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 the fact that the FTC or whatever the equivalent division is in the UK is entertaining this nonsense when clearly they're being taken, their naivete to the game industry mm -hmm. is being taken advantage of. Uh, the one thing I'll say is. Uh, 
I actually happen to know a little bit about the judge that's hearing this case. It's being heard here in Northern California. Um, my wife, who's an attorney, has appeared before this judge a lot, and mm-hmm. she's spoken to me just of how much she respects her. Oh, and she like she respects the judge deeply, and in this is the kind of judge where you can't kind of finagle. <laughs> well, it's it's more feed them a more dumbed down and sim- overly simplistic understanding of the games industry. Right. Uh, if you go back to the crazy uh, Epic Apple lawsuit, you know, mm-hmm. where they spent, I think, uh, like two days trying to def- figure out a definition of game. Yeah. Uh, and whether or not <laughs> Fortnite actually fit into something like that. Right. Um, I think a lot of those semantics, um, those semantics and those ways in which uh, you can s- I, I don't think anything's gonna get past her. That, that, I have no idea what the what the judgment's gonna be. Which I means think, yeah. that the acquisition's probably gonna go through. Oh uh, yeah, because the FTC <laughs> because let's be is honest, just, it should go through. <laughs> yeah, the, the FTC's argument is garbage. It and really is. I don't understand how it's holding this whole thing up. It's crazy. It's it, well, it's a very. Oh my God, I'm gonna sound like <laughs> I'm gonna sound like a Republican here, but it's a very <laughs> activist uh, FTC. Yeah. Uh, I, I I believe the woman running it does have some ambitions of the, of, of the Elizabeth Warren type. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think, and, and like, I'm not like, they're barking up the wrong tree on this one, man. They yeah. picked the wrong target. Yeah. That's all this that's was, I think. It was the right acquisition. No one wants Activision under Bobby Kotick. Someone needs to yeah. fix Blizzard. And the thing is, is I don't see this. Acquiring content like this is not anti-competitive. You're not preventing other people from making competing content. Like, what about Go record labels when they sign, like, the hottest band? Like, it's the whole thing is absurd, yeah, Adam. Yeah, it's yeah, just I, absurd. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's nuts. <laughs> and then kind of piggybacking on that, another story that kind of opened some eyes this week comes from another acquisition that actually went through uh, with Bethesda. Um, and obviously, Starfield's about to come out. Everyone's really excited about Starfield. But now that it's about to launch, everyone's also, at the same time, kind of turning their eyes towards the Elder Scrolls Six, which would be the next big Bethesda game. And then we find out this week that the Elder Scrolls 6 is still at least five years away from being completed. It was announced like six years ago. Oh, I remember. <laughs> that would be like 11 years from announcement. That's like that's like Duke Nukem Forever levels there. It's, 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 it's or even Fortnite. <laughs> like I'm wondering if I'm going to be alive. When the game comes I know. Out. I, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. Like a where, lot can where happen. Where was this? Was 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 this part of the hearing? Yes, it that that information came out based because they were asking so, him. Okay, what about Elder Scrolls? That series has always typically released on PlayStation consoles. Are you going to take that away? And their retort was, "Well, that's at least like five and a half years away. At least it's like." And to, you know, to court, they're like, "Oh, okay." But to us, we're like, "What? Are you kidding me?" It's like it's, it's there's probably some massaging of the facts in 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 court. Yeah, uh, the course. one other thing is that announcement of Elder Scrolls Six. I never regarded as an announcement. Um, yeah. the, uh, it That's confirmed what was blatantly obvious to anybody. Yeah. Um, I believe Elder Scrolls Six. That video was to create an acquisition for Bethesda. Probably. That yeah. it was it was They're just fish, it was a fishing yeah. expedition. Yeah. Uh and obviously it, it just it, they 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 needed to do it if they were going to announce um Starfield. Um so Adam my next question to you though is have games just become too freaking big? Like <sighs> for example, I'm playing Final Fantasy 16 right now and we'll get to that. I'm like 30 hours in and like 
I just got like a new gameplay mechanic and I just got like the ability to ride a chocobo for a mount. And like a lot of the people complaining about Final Fantasy 16 are like, the first two thirds are amazing. And then the last third, it falls apart. I haven't even got to the last third yet because it's like a 60 hour game. Like, sounds like the opposite of 13, which yeah. was, I remember Rob Mandel wrote the review and goes, gets really good after 60 hours. It's like, and I told him if I ever see that in a review for the rest of my life, I'll set him on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm getting at. So, like, Matt and I, in last week's episode, we started talking about how both of us have had to make hard decisions on games to delete from our hard drives as these new games are coming out. And there was like, like Matt said that he doesn't think now that he'll ever finish God of War Ragnarok. He deleted it off the hard drive. He had to. And he's like, I'll probably never download it again. Am I going to go download another 80 gig game? Or some of these games are 150 gigs. Do games need to be like this long? Like, I I don't know if it's like age or I'm getting older, but like, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm kind of cool with a game that's like 30, oh, 35 yeah. hours. Like I, I, I gladly spend $70 for a 35 hour game. Like, do we need these 10 year, six year development cycles anymore? Uh, no. I mean, the simple answer is no, uh, but we better get used to them. Uh, it, it really is going to come down to stop. We, we're going to have to stop looking at games like movies where mm-hmm. in, in theory, Say you're a film critic for the New York Times or the New Yorker. You're like, I bet I can see 75 to 80 percent of the movies in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this is now more like Russian novels. Yeah. Where it's like you're going to have to pick the 30 percent you're going to read. Like, that, like, can it, you think of any game that you hit the 40 hour mark and then it hit its stride? No. Not very many. No. Like, it's usually at that one... point, you're like, oh, God, here we go. Like. I'm just the trying to get through this. The caveat I have is I'm playing games differently now. Okay. And, and only play a game. I'm playing games maybe three, four hours a day because I'm trying to balance my games. I like to watch a movie a day. I like to read 100 pages a day. And because I'm a house husband now, I cook mm-hmm. dinner every night. Uh-huh. Uh, and I enjoy – it's like I'm playing games in a, in a single session – not to the point where I'm exhausted, but to the point where I probably could keep on playing. I just got to, I just choose to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to, like, I'm still enjoying Zelda immensely. Uh, like, last night was, like, the first time I really started exploring underground. And I'm like, oh, like, the map doubles down here. Oh, yeah, it's, like, almost Infinitely the size less of a exciting, game. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh But I'm also thinking through in my head that I just want to finish Zelda and Diablo by the first week of September so I can play Starfield. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Starfield and probably one other game, Spider-Man 2, uh, you know, for the rest of the year. And And that'll get you through the whole year. (laughs) Yeah, and then maybe if it, you know, I'll actually, I played every one, but I I don't know when I play Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Uh, Plus, Mirage it, to me isn't looking great anyway. So I, I keep on forgetting that they that they showed it at one of the. I was really games. disappointed in what they showed. Honestly, I I, I completely I keep on forgetting it's it's coming out. Or yeah. that I think a lot I of people feel at. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Ubisoft. They yep. reap what they sow. So you're actually saying that you're cool with these gigantic games. I'm not saying I'm cool, <clears> but <throat> it's it's the it's also what's going to happen. See, the reason why I think we're not going to have. I think there's a good chance we're not going to see Elder Scrolls for five years is that Microsoft has ambitions with Starfield. They really haven't 
mm-hmm. explained. Yeah. This is it's gigantic. Any- so look, when your head of marketing and PR claims that your game might be too large, maybe that's where you're starting to get to the area of maybe the the ambitions are too much. I don't know. Like it sounds like they've been working on Starfield for like eight or nine years at this point. Like I don't they've, know. I mean, I think they've been yeah, how long have people been working complain on Starfield? if it's forty hours instead of eighty? Like I just struggle to think that people would. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think well, it's a great one for Game Pass. Um, they want a forever game. Mm-hmm. And the stories I've heard is that Starfield could have launched last year. But all the stuff that might have come as DLC, stuff that had been cut from the process uh, to be able to make that date, uh, Microsoft said, you know what, put it back in, we'll push it for a year. Because mm-hmm. uh, they want something so big that it becomes, it, it well, it makes Game Pass sticky. To, to you know, and I think that you know, I wouldn't be surprised if things happen to that game over time. That they does it allow for kind of like that Fortnite style events happening right. inside of the game world. Mm-hmm. Can Do you think that's going to happen in Starfield? This is me theorizing. This is not based upon, but I think that that you know if they are saying that elder scrolls isn't for 6 years out mm-hmm. they do not want to have a downtime where there is not a Todd Howard Bethesda style mm-hmm. game that is like you know that there's a reason to stick with game pass because there's always another reason to go back into starfield um, Todd Howard I, by the way hinting that you know elder scrolls 6 may be his last game um, and that's the other thing too. Do you feel like he's some of our these, age? <laughs> I know. I'm not surprised. <laughs> you feel like some of these auteurs are maybe selling their career short by making these games that last this long and take them ten years to make instead of making a game every three or four years. I think that I, I you know I think one of the reasons that these games are taking so long is less the auteur uh, like wanting it to meet their vision than the the heart attack of a three year dev cycle. Yeah. That like some of those horror stories. Yeah. And yeah, I've been coming here. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 like that's a that's a really rough schedule because but that's the problem. People somehow it's 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 we we created this this way of thinking in the in the mind of the consumer that it's bang for buck. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great way to spend your $60. Well, no, a good game is a great way to spend your $60, regardless of the length of it. Yeah. That, yeah, that it's going to take some pretty serious re-education of the player out there. Um, because also, I'm I'm of the mind that I think they should be selling games like Starfield at $100, $120. Because, I mean, I mean th- just, just, just think about how much I know. The investment going there. into it. Yeah. And uh, obviously, no one wants to hear of it, but like, Games are expensive because they are expensive. Right. To make. Yeah. yeah. So yep, that's how that's how finance works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a real simple. The, you, you don't have to understand like, you know, John Maynard Keynes. Money to understand out. The economics of that. <laughs> Money in. It's that simple, really. Um, so you're basically saying that you don't think the games are getting too big then. I know. You think, think it's think just a, the way the market. There going. are many games that are unnecessarily large. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing is that erring on the side of big has become the, the mentality. Because uh, they're the I ones would, that sell 15, 20 million shorter units. games. I would love yeah. shorter story. I would love older Naughty Dog, like Uncharted 2. I still think was like, that was almost a little too long. 
Uncharted I think it becomes more difficult to tell a great story the longer the game is as well. Oh, it's yeah. like because like even writing a great film that's like two hours long, you have to be a genius to do that. Imagine trying to write something that sustains for 80 hours. Yeah, it's almost unrealistic. Like, yeah. I feel like yeah. some of these developers are just setting themselves up for failure in some cases by following this template. But it does seem to be a more recent phenomena that these uh, just generally the really quadruple a games as some people call them they tend to be 60 80 hours long anymore yeah. it's and then we and we can all thank rockstar for that because yeah. they they made people realize you can make a billion dollars in three days yep. with this massive open world game no one seems to understand that rockstar has something that no one else has yeah it's just yeah it does still to this day it does yeah um another smaller story from this week is that there is a death stranding film in production right now and um i'll say this too Kojima recently has been showing some contrition. Like, I feel like he is becoming self-aware of his celebrity <laughs> a little bit. You make it sound like Skynet. <laughs> Seriously. I felt like he had a lot of hubris for a lot of his career. Yes, I do I feel agree. like now he's starting to change a little bit. So yeah. a documentary just released about him. And it is literally, I don't know if you've watched it or not, but no. you can just tell it was made by like ultra Metal Gear Kojima fanboy. Yeah. And after Kojima watched the final version of it even he was like this is a little i don't know. he was basically saying like it's a little egregious in making yeah. him look like a superstar but in the yeah. same week he announced that they're working on the death stranding movie and he and he shared that he will be heavily involved in creating the death stranding film which let's be honest isn't this what he's wanted all along Yes. To make films, yeah. I mean, Matt I feel like and he I, used game development and I as a about Trojan this. horse to actually yeah. make films. Uh, Matt, Matt, and I have talked about this at length that he has always come across as a frustrated filmmaker with great game ideas. Yeah. Um, uh, ooh, you think the Death Stranding movie is going to be good if he's heavily involved in it? You know what? I might. You might... I mean, good is almost an irrelevant uh, <laughs> element. <laughs> If someone's going to try to adapt Kojima, might as well be Kojima himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be very interesting. It might be a little illuminating into. It might answer some questions for me. Like there are just things that I no think. Else... I think it'll be better as a film than it was as a game. I felt like Death Stranding yeah. oh, was a see, film like that they tried to shove a game into, and they're like, "What see, can we do uh, with this?" Oh, well, we'll just deliver stuff. Like I, I really like Death Stranding. Oh, you I, did? I, not. It's weird. I look. Look. If I, I cannot point to what I liked about it. Uh -huh. I played it during the pandemic. I, it was mm -hmm. during this period of time during the pandemic when I had left the tech company. I knew I was going to be working for G4, but they had nothing for me to do. So uh -huh. I, I was just kind of like, there was no stress and nothing to do. So I'm like, screw it. I got time. I'm going to play Death Stranding. Yeah. And I just kind of got lost in the I'm wandering around this world trying to just piece together like little things about it. Mm -hmm. That's not so it was an interactive experience more than I would call it a game. Yeah. Uh, and I don't it's not know a compelling if one in a yeah, lot of ways. I, I the one thing I just can't figure out is if a movie could even come close to the sense of loneliness that game mm -hmm. had. Because that's a game where you have to play it for 60 hours to kind of get this 
wow do you like, want nothing is film gonna change here it's like loneliness for two hours yeah, that's see, the question that's, like i don't know if film goers want to sit down for two hours no, and watch somebody be lonely uh, i i will watch it during my whole adam sessler movie campaign uh, <laughs> i mean i've watched some messed up things that are fall well short of pleasure yeah. uh and so i kind of i enjoy things like that but as an expensive commercial venture uh, uh, the only way this is happening is Kojima's probably financing it. Yeah, that'd be imagine. my guess too. Yeah, um, th- th- this was the same case w- that horrible Assassin's Creed movie. Uh, it was a notorious thing in Hollywood because uh, Ubisoft got final sign off on the movie, and like that never happens yeah. unless you're paying for the entire movie. Yeah, it's true. So like the the studio was more or less like renting or leasing out their equipment their sound stages and their distribution mechanics yeah it's <laughs> hilarious yeah <laughs> um our final topic for housekeeping for this episode also kind of goes back to the whole court cases happening um right now with microsoft and the activision blizzard acquisition um it basically slipped out i think it was yesterday or the day before microsoft shared that it believes the next console cycle will start in 2028 um, that seems like a long time from now. Uh, I mean, that's still five years from now. These consoles are three years comp- old, four years old, three the years 360 old. 360 lasted longer than any of us imagined. Yeah. But, I mean, they do typically like the PS4 now is what, like eight years old, I guess. Yeah. But the other I, console's been out for three years now. So, well, except I don't think two of those years count that because with of the, the supply pandemic. issues in the pandemic. Yeah, that it didn't really start to become even like that much of a choice for people until they could buy it easily. That's true. Yeah, um, and still, also, in some cases, they're hard to find. So I, I'm trying to think what the technological push would be, uh, because AK, if it even happens, is so far down. It just the doesn't. Line, ma- it doesn't matter. You, you need a TV matter. the size of your wall for AK yeah, to exactly. Matter. It's never going to matter. I you know maybe maybe. There's, you know, although the AI that everyone is so like ah, about right now is not the AI that would actually be in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe that's where the technological pushes. But there's so many ways you could utilize other things to to, to, to do the computation. Mm-hmm. I mean, like as we were talking about earlier, it sucks to go short circuit your market by announcing a new console and then trying to get that console to market, then trying to have games that will actually work on that console that make a good case for people buying that console. Mm-hmm. Neither Sony nor Nintendo nor nor Microsoft ever want to put out another console. And the only one that really needs to right now is Nintendo. God, yeah. they need to. Yeah, they really, I would, really I would like to, to play a, a Zelda on my television that doesn't look like an N64 Vaseline smear ass job. Yeah, just, or it bottoms oh. out at like eight frames oh, per second sometimes. It's just incredible. And, yeah. and it seems that where it shouldn't be doing that. Only Nintendo could release a game like that and come out not worse for the wear. Yeah, I know. I mean, think about uh, the review scores for that we, game that, that goes whoa. to like single digit frame rates at times. No other franchise, no other publisher I, could get away we, with that. We'll probably be talking about my thoughts on that. We will. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, later on no. in the show for sure. So, do you, so you think twenty twenty eight actually makes sense? I do too, yeah. honestly. Um, yeah. I think we've really reached the law of diminishing returns. Like, yeah, if you were to buy a console in two years, a new one, you would spend five or six hundred bucks, and it would be really hard to see I mean, the improvements in games. Ideally, what you're gonna buy in twenty twenty eight doesn't process in the home. 
that yeah. you're getting something that's more akin to an Apple TV box and you're going to be doing a lot of cloud processing. I mean, I that, think a lot of people would be very, very angry if that were the case, oh, even in 2028. I, I would not be surprised if they put out a super expensive hardware version mm -hmm. uh, or they're like you can it's the same you now can get the same performance out of your out, out of the xbox series x uh with you know you know through through the cloud streaming i mean that's their goal i yeah. i, I it's, particularly it's, with microsoft for sure my, my biggest concern is really more it, it's less whether or not Microsoft and Sony can handle it, it's whether or not we're going to have the internet infrastructure. I mean, I think the, America's poor investment in, in in that infrastructure is going to bite us in the ass one of these days. And games always tend to be at the at the at at, at that pressure point. And yeah, they feel it first. And yeah. Yeah, they're always on the crest of the wave when technology is concerned. So, yeah, yeah to me, I think 2028 actually does make sense. I think a lot of people may not want to hear that because I think some people are disappointed in PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X because, you know, we're supposed to get ray tracing and most games can't run ray tracing on these yeah. machines. I mean, that was the big catchphrase before these machines came out, especially Which, with, with PlayStation 5 was ray tracing, ray tracing, ray tracing. Shame on the industry for making a big deal. I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Does it really change the experience of my game playing? I'm old. I have I, to wear I, glasses I, when I play. Do I need to see the reflections in the puddles on the ground? Yeah, it's 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 neat, yeah. but you know, and no developer outside of the art department, no developer feel like it builds a game around ray tracing. No, no one's like and it, you can see the reflection in the mirror, and yeah. then you can see the enemies coming up behind you. Like nobody designs games. Yeah, that way. It's, it's, yeah. it's 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 a. I just I've always told the industry to stop pushing numbers with new yeah. consoles, but a marketing department, if you've ever met a marketing department, they can only function that's all they care about is numbers. Yeah. 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 That's what they, and they they're gonna in twenty twenty eight they will sell consoles based on the numbers. I guarantee yeah. it. Yeah. And if they're absolutely. smart, they'll probably stop talking about ray tracing, although Finally, those consoles will probably be able to do it. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and we waited like another eight years for ray tracing on consoles. So, all right. Well, that's it for our housekeeping today. And we're about to get into the bulk of the show. But before we do that, here's a word from our sponsor. LS Cream is a fine cream liqueur created by fellow gamer and sifter, Stevens Charles. It's inspired by an ancestral recipe from Haiti called Cray Mass, and a double gold winner for its original taste at the New York Wine and Spirit International Competition. Ellis Cream can be enjoyed on the rocks or as a mixer for drinks with its rich blend of fresh cream and neutral grain spirits with notes of coconut, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. It's great in coffee or to make espresso martinis. To learn more, discover amazing drink recipes, or to track down your own bottle using a handy store locator, head to creamls.com slash sifted. That's creamls.com slash sifted. All right, a big thanks from LS Cream, our sponsor for Game Face. As the ad says, if you want to learn more about it, go to creamls.com slash sifted. There are drink recipes there. There's the history of the liqueur. There's links there where you can go and buy it online. There's resources that can tell you where you can buy it locally. And Adam, my question to you is, do you like Bailey's Irish cream? Do you use it at all in, in drinks? 
Well, I actually stopped drinking, believe it or not. Really? Um, Everything? Yeah, believe it? yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know yeah. that. I suddenly uh, felt like I have a reason to live now. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I'll be um, honest with you, I, Adam, did. I just don't drink that much anymore. It's like yeah. socially, I don't go out to bars and clubs that much anymore. And that's where I would drink. And since I don't yeah. do that, like I, I just don't I, drink that much. I was the person who was trying to ignore the pains of the world. Through, uh, <laughs> I never did it for that. So. <laughs> but I will say this, LS Cream, because obviously we have a sponsor and they've been giving yeah. us the product. I have started drinking again because of LS Cream. I've started mixing up drinks and it is kind of like the the new competitor for Bailey's Irish Cream. And I like okay. it better than Bailey's. So. See, I, I, I typically don't lean towards stuff that's on the sweeter side. Bailey's yeah. was like that style, like that, that like that it's got that bite from yeah. the whiskey and a little bit of 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 the menth. Or I guess it's just the mint. Um so yeah, this would be something that I probably hit you up for a case of. Okay. Uh. <laughs> well I've really enjoyed it. And the other thing too is that it's a liqueur. So it's not yeah. really strong. So you can exactly. mix it you can mix it in with a bunch of different stuff and it tastes amazing. And then it, you're not really drunk. It just kind of takes the edge off of things a little bit. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's great for me personally. The part, the, the, the point of life that I'm at right now, I love LS cream and you guys should too. Again, go to creamls.com slash sifted and pick up a bottle. And with that, Adam, it's time to get into the bulk. All right. Of game phase like 48. Um, we're going to kick things off talking about undoubtedly the biggest game release of the week. Final Fantasy 16, we mentioned it in the housekeeping as a gigantic exclusive for PlayStation, a gigantic third-party exclusive for PlayStation, which, let's be honest, Adam, that just doesn't happen very often anymore. Not as much anymore, no. I mean, it's and it's smart. I mean, I think for most games, it's a better idea to release them multi-platform because the other part, too, is if you have any sort of online components in your games, you kind of need it to be on the other platforms to make sure you always have a healthy player base for matchmaking and things like that with yes. crossplay now. Obviously, Final Fantasy 16, no multiplayer at all. It's completely single player, so it makes more sense for it to be a PS5 exclusive. Now, the truth be told, the PC version of the game, they just started working on that. And whenever they get that done, it will come out for PC. I, my guess is there's probably a year's exclusivity that PlayStation. That's what it to. sounds like. And actually, to be honest, uh, during testimony, it might've been today. I caught this from Steven Totillo. So credit mm -hmm. where credit's due. Yep. Um, when asked about final fantasy 16, Phil Spencer used a slightly different terminology that uh, it, it, once again, it actually may be an exclusive window on Sony and it will mm -hmm. show up on Microsoft. Um, they can't even mention it can happen. Mm -hmm. So that's, it, it, I can't remember exactly what the phrasing was, but it wasn't as emphatically, it will never show up on Xbox. I and think if people it works assume on Windows, that eventually it yeah. will. If it can work on Windows, it can work on Xbox. Yeah, so very that's easily. That's how I see it. Yeah, and I also see it like Square Enix is not going to leave all those sales on the table either because this no. is a big investment. This game, this is another game that was in development for way over five years. I mean, it's been a long time since Final Fantasy 15 at this point. Remember when Square was the one company that did take five years to make yeah. games? Now yeah. everyone does? Now everyone does it, yeah. <laughs> and the funny part is that Square has managed to not really find success doing that so far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Square Enix has really had kind of been in a tough row here over the last few years, struggling to find hits. Um, I think Final Fantasy 16 is going to be one. However... Uh, pre-sales for it were low compared to Final Fantasy 15. Also, sales in the UK so far are like a third of Final Fantasy 15. 
Well, I mean, there's Zelda and Diablo. Like yeah. those two games fit. They're taking up lots of people's time for oh, sure. Yeah, and, and and they're not small games by any stretch of the imagination. Um, obviously, as most people who know me already know, I don't, as a matter of course, play Final Fantasy games. Adam, um, I do not typically either. I am, and Matt's not a big fan of Final Fantasy either. Like this, we're one show where like <laughs> the, the Final Fantasy fanboys do not like Game Face all that much. Yeah. Like, when we post like the archives on YouTube a few days later, like we get a lot of people that are like, ah, like we make fun of the grunting in the games, the, uh, 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 and people oh. hate that that we make fun of that. Like it's really funny, but anyway, to me, this is a Final Fantasy that I've waited forever for. It, to me, it's like a re- it's a Final Fantasy that I played when I was like a teenager or whatever. Really? It's, well, it's, yeah, it's like straight up fantasy. It's not this weird, goofy, like androgynous, like people dressed. Oh, like the cyber, characters. like dragons and yeah, cars it's, it's, and lasers. Yeah, it's just dark fantasy. And oh, interesting. I'm surprised you didn't know this. I like when I see Final Fantasy on the 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 unlike the Sony uh what 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 are they called? I just leave the room even uh. when I'm working <laughs> because there's five people that know more about it than I ever will. Yeah. But the one thing I have picked up on is this is way more of an action game mm-hmm. than a more traditional. So that's why I was so surprised when you said it was like old Final Fantasy. Is yeah. that I keep on hearing about how the combat has changed. Well, the combat significantly was, it has. So the combat was handled by the guy who used to do combat for Devil May Cry, and yeah. you can it's it's you can see it. It's literally like playing Devil May Cry with a Final Fantasy setting. And some fans are upset that it's not a turn based, but let's be honest, even Final Fantasy games haven't been turn based no, for a really long time. They have this weird like half step between action combat and turn based, and they'll always like include this almost like a caveat in the gameplay for the old fans that want it to be turn-based to make them at least feel like they still care about them. Yeah. Let's be honest. Action-based combat is the future of Final Fantasy. So, like, those previous games were, like, the methadone treatment to wean people off it to finally be clean, which is now Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. And and so here... (laughs) So we talked about this last week, but Matt and I had only played the free demo that was available. Mm -hmm. And the free demo is two hours long. And I'll be honest with you, Adam... Those are some of the best two hours of video game that I have played in probably the last half decade. Wow. Literally mind-blowingly awesome. Both Matt and I were like taken aback and shocked. We were like, what? This is a Final Fantasy game? Now I've spent around 30 hours with the game. And I will say this, my impressions of it have changed in that amount of time. I am no longer over the moon over the game. I still think it's great. And I think it's the exact direction that Final Fantasy needs to go. But I have discovered some issues now that I've spent more time playing it. Um, are, 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 the four, are the first two hours in that demo, are they indicative of what the game is like, though? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like, good, as far as good, how it good. plays and it sets up the plot. But it's it literally, one thing I will say is this game, you can tell whoever wrote it and designed it, they're huge fans of Game of Thrones. So... The first two hours is literally like one of the most awesome Game of Thrones episodes you've ever watched. I'm not exaggerating. Like, wow. I this know is it's just not what I expected. It's hard to, wow. I, I'm, I know. I sat there. I was like, I cannot believe this is a Final Fantasy game. It goes through these crazy arcs in two hours. And like, they kill off like everybody, like every <laughs> people that you thought were sacred. And were going to be a part of the story for the rest of the game. They are just killed. Like. And it blew me away. I was like, oh my God, this is game of the year contender. And now that I've played the actual game, 
some cracks have started to show. Like you can see some things that where they've spackled over some issues in that two hour demo. And I'll say this, Square Enix was really smart to release that two hour demo. Because the other thing is that your save also carries over to the final game. That's um, such a good idea. They, I, Matt and I always say every demo should do that. Like if you can't do that, just don't bother releasing a demo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this game does that. And so you do pick up right away, but it doesn't keep that momentum through unlike game of thrones it fails to keep that momentum as the game continues on it mm -hmm. does kind of settle into a groove after a while and it does also kind of repeal some of the things that happened in that first two hours that in, in, in terms of narrative not gameplay narrative, narrative. and gameplay okay. because so oh. when, you, when you first start playing at the combat you're like oh my god this is devil may cry level combat but the more I played it, the more I realized that it's really just mash square to win. Oh, so, bummer. So people people just aren't upset that it's not turn-based. They're also upset that there aren't as many RPG elements. And it is like RPG light. So you have a sword, and then you have two pieces of armor, and then you have three rings that you can equip. And that's it. And... The three pieces of armor don't change all that often. And once I figured out the rings to use, I never changed the rings either because you get rings that like will automatically evade for you. You get rings that will automatically pull off your best moves as soon as the cooldown is finished. You have a ring that you can assign to your character that because you have a dog named Torgal, who's your only sidekick, by the way, uh -huh. you actually have any control over in this game. Mm -hmm. And you have a ring that tells him to heal you automatically. And he knows when to attack automatically. And literally, after the first five hours of playing this, Adam, I I turned away from the screen and mashed square and beat bosses that way. Wow. And that was it's about weird five that hours You just in. described a bunch of attributes that just takes over. It just automatically does gameplay. That's just such an odd... I can't even think of another game where I equip something. I mean, yeah, widening the window for parries. I get that. But yeah. the automatically it parry, it parries is... automatically. And it does it that is like that. Weird. Oh, yeah. I was like, so as I started playing the game, I'll say this too. Look, I, I feel like I'm bagging on the story. The story never gets bad. Although maybe, again, we were talking about earlier, the last 20 hours, maybe it does. I'm at the 30 hour mark. The story is still great. Like it's yeah. still there's stuff happening that I didn't see coming. Some of the stuff I did see coming. Some of it that I did not. The characters are still compelling. They're still killing people off that I didn't think were going to be killed. Um, so the story is really good. It just doesn't sustain that first two hours. I'm just telling you, Adam, go play the demo. It's still there to download. I guarantee you when you finish that two hours, you will, you will text me and be like, holy effing shit. Wow. Okay. I, okay. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard to convince people who don't like the franchise, like Matt and I. You've got to play it for yourself. I don't think you'll understand it until you do. But I mean, it's, 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 it's part of the frustration then from longtime fans. Okay, not just the 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 turn base, but that uh, the core. It sounds so different gone. from Final Fantasy. If it doesn't have what I don't like Final Fantasy for, does it even live up to being a Final Fantasy game? I think that's that's the question we're going to get to at the end of this discussion is who should Square Enix be making Final Fantasy games for? Should it be for people like us or should it be for somebody else? But we'll get there. Yeah. Um, the story itself, like every time you think it settles into a groove, something insane and heavy happens. Like there's <laughs> just it addresses like crazy stuff like rape like there's this one scene where this girl is about to get raped by like a gang of dudes like 
they drop the f bomb like over and over again like it is a hard m like hard m like borderline like ao at times like people's heads get chopped off people's heads get delivered in boxes it does borrow so many things so the lower third for this discussion right now is final god of thrones because the further <laughs> the further you get into it the more it feels like god of war from 2018 that's kind of how the game is designed mm-hmm. it's it's not an open world game by any stretch of the imagination okay so it's kind of there's areas that are more explorable than up, other areas but generally it's this cattle shoot that you're constantly it's very yeah. linear when you get to like the 20 hour mark ish the game does open up more and it will give you um, like mission objectives all over the map. And you can kind of choose the order that you want to do them. And there's side quests here and here and here. But it's also not like Final Fantasy in where the world map is like gameplay. So, you know, in some Final Fantasies, you go yeah, to the world map and they show like a little like picks, like a sprite version of your right, character. Yeah, the super deformed little, and you can run like... around in the open world and you can even like try to avoid like random encounters with enemies like. It's not like that. The map screen in this is literally just a map where you choose to fast travel from. And I'll say this, the fast travel in this, awesome. You can travel anywhere you want at any time, no matter what you're doing. As long as you're not in a battle, you can fast travel anywhere you want. Uh, The way they laid out the quests in this game is great. Like a lot of this stuff is just comfort food for people who have played a lot of other games that has not come to Final Fantasy in ever. And finally they're here. So Side quests. You know before you choose, before you talk to an NPC, one, if they have a side quest, two, if the side quest is important. So typically you get like these little green icons just for a side quest, but if they're important, they'll have a plus on them. And if you see that, that's like, that is a side quest that actually has important elements for the rest of the game. For example, to get the Chocobo mount, it's a side quest with a plus. So once you do that, then you realize, oh, all those side quests that are marked like that, I need to make sure I play those. And consequently, they are the better side quests. So there's all kinds of... How does of... a Chocobo fit aesthetically in this hardcore fantasy world? Well, here's I'm the trying thing, to figure though. this out. <laughs> Matt, Matt brought this up last week, and he said it before. Chocobos generally were not considered these cute little cuddly things that you race. They were these huge hulking beasts that with, with razor-sharp beaks that were dangerous. And that oh. returns in this game. Like, they're your mounts, and like... The opening scenes before you even get it, like your dad, the king, is riding on one, and they look scary, man. They're like they're like ostriches times like ten or whatever. So a lot of the aesthetics of the OG Final Fantasy games, they finally brought those back back around for this and have ditched the kind of corny day oh, glow. It's again, like I have I haven't been a, fi- a fan of Final Fantasy since the Super Nintendo era. Like I didn't even really like Final Fantasy VII all that much on the OG PlayStation. Like. If you're like that, this is full circle, albeit with action-based combat. But the story, I mean, I'm 30 hours in. It still got me hooked. Like, I'm still into it. People are still dying. You don't know what's going to happen around each corner. It's not as good as the first two hours were, but it's still held up and been pretty good. So I do think that even Final Fantasy fans, at least for the a big bulk of the game, will be happy with the story. Um, I think the design, too. Like, I feel like finally this series has caught up with all the other games. Now... The lack of an open world, that's probably the next hurdle for them to overcome with this franchise. Um, Much like God of War from 2018 or Ragnarok, even though it is kind of this throwback design style, they do a good enough job with it that it doesn't feel that much like a throwback. 
And 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 to to your point, open world games don't serve narrative very well. No, it makes like if you can go story. any direction you want, you tend to weaken the narrative. If you want to tell a story, take the Naughty Dog approach, take the Sony yeah. Santa Monica approach. You're absolutely right, and that's what they do in this. And I think the game is better for it. So again, that's a hurdle that they'll have to overcome. And let's be honest, a lot of open world games never overcome that hurdle. Nope. By the end, yep. you're just doing fetch quests, like side quests and things yep. like that, stuff that's yep. not really compelling. So we'll see what they decide to do. But despite the fact that the game isn't open world, there's still like these weird contrivances, like you shimmy through a narrow thing and it loads the next section of the game. Like, <laughs> like they give you a chocobo, but there's only, and you can call it anytime you want, but there's only certain areas where it even makes sense to even use it. Because otherwise you're running with this gigantic bird down these pathways that are just made for your character to run down. So it, it does feel like the Chocobo is maybe a little bit forced, or maybe they're just trying to get ready for when the game is open world and you do need mounts for you know functional reasons instead of just like, hey, I'm on a Chocobo now, and this is a Final Fantasy they, game. They have a transferable asset from this game they can just plunk right plunk down right into, into the next in, one. That's what I think anyway. That makes sense. And the game, so the game has equal parts, smart stuff, and dumb stuff so very early in the game like you have a dog his name is Torgal, and he fights for you and again he's the only party member that you have any control over your other party members just do everything automatically um but you have this dog and like it's the first time they let you pet the dog and every that's a big thing everyone's like can you pet the dog well you can pet the dog here but the thing is is you pet the dog and it shows you a different camera angle while you're petting the dog that shows you a hidden item and i was like oh i'm like that's clever so from that point on Mentally, I'm like, I'm going to pet the dog every time because it may show me like some hidden thing. Now I'll say this. It doesn't. It only happened that very, <laughs> it only happened that very first time. But still, that's very smart design. Yeah, do I like that. It encourages you to keep doing the action because you got rewarded for it. So there's stuff like that. But then and then there's another smart thing where like you don't really understand Clive, who's the main character that you play as. You're kind of trying to figure out how powerful he is, how strong he is. And there's this one scene where he's adventuring with everybody. And there's like this big collapsed boulder that's blocking the way. And he just casually just walks up and just goes, huh, and just like pushes the boulder up. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. He's like superhuman strong. And like people shouldn't mess with this guy. But then later on in the game, like people fall and they're hanging by their fingernails. And he goes to grab them and he's struggling to like pull this like a hundred pound girl up. Like, so for every time they do something where you're like, oh, that's really clever, like later on, they're tending it's, it's like Leon Kennedy punching boulders in RE5 right. and then <laughs> seemingly like a wuss yeah. when it comes to half the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is it is RPG light. So if people have really gotten into Final Fantasy for the RPG elements, like really digging into the stats, like you can't adjust any of your stats. Like when you level up, all that stuff changes oh, automatically. Wow. Yep, that just, when you level up, it's just like ding, 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 ding. They all just go up automatically based, I don't even know what it's based on. I don't know where those numbers come from. And if you go to the skill trees in this, like there's one huge skill circle. And literally at the beginning of the game, they, you earn enough skill points very quickly to unlock every single ability there. And then like half of that circle, you can upgrade as you get like points throughout the game. And then as you unlock, the summons so basically how summons work in this and you're aware of summons usually they're like the biggest magical spell in the game or whatever yep. you have to build it up across the whole battle and then you finish off the <laughs> battle with this bahamut that comes from the sky and drops a big boulder on the on the enemy they've changed for this you actually have control of them like kind of at all times as you progress through the campaign clive 
takes over the abilities of the summons. And if you use the left, the, the L2 on the dual shock, you cycle through what are called icons and you take over the abilities of those. So a big part of the game, if the combat weren't so freaking easy, is that you set them up with your normal sword attacks and then you switch to your icon attacks. And those are kind of like your special over the top attacks. But again, if you set it up because with those three rings, it just does it all automatically just by smashing square. You don't have to worry about like switching between the icons. You don't have to worry about dodging or timing your dodge. Like it just does it. You literally cannot look at the screen and mash square and win boss fights in this game. So all the stuff, the skill trees, the icons that you can choose, and you can even go in and like level up the icon abilities and you can choose each icon has like five abilities and you can choose which two to assign to take out in a battle with you. All that stuff doesn't end up mattering because the game is just too damn easy. It is literally just mash square to win once you get to a certain point in the game. Like I, it ruins the whole thing in all honesty. Like it really like crushes the oh, game. Oh yeah, in a lot yeah. Of ways. It's, it's like, I don't, I'm not a big Dark Souls guy. Like, I don't like games where they just beat you over the head over and over. They're like, learn how to dodge, dummy. Like, I'm like, no, I want to learn how to have fun playing video games. Yeah. Like, but I'm this not really. Is the this other is the, end. This is the uh, yeah. other end of the spectrum. Um, this and then, sounds like. This sounds like they wanted to make a different game and it didn't work. Because, I, you know, it's worth remembering that, remember, Square sold off half of their company. Mm hmm. I mean, and they were I, all the Western developers. The people, yeah, they were all the Western developers. Like so now the burden's <laughs> on them. This game had to come out. Yeah, like there was not other things for them to come out. This sounds like something. I mean, it sounds like there's all these interesting intentions that get short circuited by the game itself. I my best guess is the game's really polished. By the way, I've not seen a single bug or even a hint of an issue. Like yeah, this game that's... has been polished to a sheen. Like I just think that. I don't know. I don't know if they didn't test it well enough. Like, the, you know, the guy who made the combat and the combat is amazing. Like if you watch footage of this game being played, you're like, hot damn, that's insane. But what you don't realize is to, to do that, all you have to do is just hit square. Like I've yeah. almost thought about like that's eliminating those rings and using other rings to make the game fun to play. It's, 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 it's you know, if you go back to like the mid era Ubisoft, that was probably the the uh, what what the French Revolution game being I think the the apotheosis of of this, where you really could tell that all these different divisions of the development team just kind of were siloed off from one another, mm -hmm. and it's like side quest team never talked to main story team, which never yeah. talked to combat team, which never you know because that that's one of those best examples where it's like combat in a vacuum, fine, mm -hmm. but. Combat without fun enemies or interesting combat scenarios, not Irrelevant. fine. Irrelevant. And that yeah. when all those elements came together, there wasn't harmony. But in order to meet the, the, the release date, you know, the more I think about it, one of the easiest ways to get something out the door that isn't an embarrassment insofar as it doesn't work mm -hmm. uh, is suddenly just make it really easy to play. I mean, the, the worst part is there's probably – so many people out there that won't notice how easy it is to play. Maybe I that, think most like, people will because the other thing I, too is fight. like the those first rings that you get are like the only rings you can select. Like you eventually unlock more rings, but yeah. you're gonna slot those in, and you're gonna realize, man, this this game just became for a game final block. fantasy audience, especially. It's I mean, 
Adam, even the boss fights, even the boss fights, I finished with a full health bar. And the craziest part was you play the game for like 20 some hours. And it's at that point, it's just a cakewalk. And then they give you limit breaks 20 hours in, which is like this hyper powered, like attack mode. You click both sticks and you just can go berserk. And then it just makes it even easier. Like I have died. I'm not exaggerating. Adam twice, twice playing this game. Yes. I'm not exaggerating at all. And the second time I died was just a total freak accident. I got caught in like a loop where I was against a wall and this, this yeah. mid this mid boss I was fighting just fired fire at me and I couldn't get out of it and I died. But otherwise, you don't die. And like that to me is not Final Fantasy, in my opinion anyway. But that's the thing is, that's the thing. Do you make games to please the existing fan base or... Do you make games to open it up to other people to expand the fan base? And Final Fantasy, its sales of 15 were pretty good. Like, I think it sold like 10 or 12 million or something like that, but it didn't sell 20. And so my guess is Square Enix is trying to open up the potential audience for Final Fantasy. But is that the right call? Should these... I I, I know it's an interesting... It's such an interesting question because... Like, should well, they be I making these games for like thirteen year old boys, or should they yeah. be making them for us? Like that's because when we yeah. were thirteen, we liked different things, and we probably would have liked yeah. the grunty it, it, like Final Fantasy. Also, yeah, should Final Fantasy be aging and evolving with one section of its player base, right? Or is Final Fantasy the thing you do between the ages of twelve and seventeen or whatever, and then yeah. you move on to? Right. Some other aspect of life. It's it's such an interesting question because the whole gist of Final Fantasy is how malleable it was. Mm-hmm. That you know, it was such a different game before seven. Yeah. And then after seven, it kind of was within this one type of game. Like it always can change itself up, but mm-hmm. I never felt I the one thing I can say is I never during my distaste for Final Fantasy ever wanted someone to make a Final Fantasy for me. Mm. Like I was fine without Final Fantasy in my life. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's I, like... I, I did because I did love Final Fantasy when I was right. younger, and the SNES era it was one of my favorite franchises. And we're kind. Of, to, I'm going through the same thing right now with Zelda. Here, so here's the thing: I'm kind of going through the same thing with Zelda right now. Uh-huh. Zelda, as you know, Adam, Zelda used to be my favorite video game. Oh, franchise. I'm well aware. I remember and, the KOTOR Wind Waker debate where right. I felt like I stabbed you in the heart. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, Adam. I am not a gigantic fan of Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. And it's funny. Um, I, I, I am very negative on Breath of the Wild. I'm much different on Tears of the Kingdom. I do like Tears of the Kingdom yeah. more, but we'll get yeah. we'll get to that. But anyway, but the difference is that the and like so it's reversing here. Like I haven't liked Final Fantasy for a long time, but now it's changing for me. And the Final Fantasy fans are pissed off. But the difference here is that there's no replacement for the old Zelda. So yeah. Yeah. If I want to play an old Zelda game, what options do I have? I have nothing. There's yeah. no other publisher makes them. There was obviously yeah. there's been a couple attempts at it here or there. They've never stuck. However, if you want to play a turn-based Japanese RPG, there are literally hundreds of options that you can play. So if, if you can't get turn-based JRPG out of Final Fantasy, there's just dozens of other franchises you can choose from. That's not the case with Zelda. Now that Zelda is changed into something that I don't particularly love, that's just a void. There's nothing yeah. for me to play instead to fill that void. So I know a lot of people probably would want to compare that, but they're really, it's really like apples and oranges. So it's a tough question. I think if you're Square Enix, you probably want to expand your audience 
I mean, oh, oh, financially you do. Yeah, I don't. But the thing is, it sounds like they tried to uh, to take on some things that they weren't Great able to at. accomplish, and they yeah. tried to bring in somebody who was good at it, but he failed. I'll be honest with you, he failed. Like he has not balanced the combat correctly, and it could be maybe not his problem. It could be the person who had to set the scaling of the enemies. Because the other thing I'll say yeah. too is that like generally not it's not absolute but generally as you go into new areas of the game the enemies scale with you so even though you're growing in power you never feel like you're growing in power oh god it's 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 um elder scrolls 4 a little bit and, unless yeah. you go back to some of the very early parts of the game which you have no reason to go back to just if yeah. you want to go back there and farm like those enemies will still be level 13 or whatever you can go and mop yeah. them up and be like oh i can kill them with one slash now but you have no incentive to go back to those areas. So every if you never feel like you're becoming more powerful in this game other than as you attain more of the summon icon abilities and then you can do those in combat, which just makes the combat even more easy. So yeah. it's kind of a self-defeating cycle in some ways, unfortunately. It, it, I, I think what's so interesting is the problems with this game are very rare problems to encounter in a game nowadays. They, did, they are. That, yeah. like, this is something, though, I feel like I, like in the PS2 era, like I I ran into frequently. And it's just it's really interesting to, to, to hear you describing this because it sounds both familiar and really alien all at the same time. Yep. So I've played this game for 30 hours. People are saying it's like 50 or 60 hours and that it does lose steam over the last third of the game. I haven't really got to that point of the game yet. And I already feel like if I had spent $70 on this game, I've got my money's worth. The boss fights yeah. in this game, Adam, are some of the they're technical marvels. They are literally some of the most amazing pieces of interactive entertainment that have ever been created. They you know what? That, that was good. what old, well, mid-era, post-7 Final Fantasy was supposed to be. When that first cutscene trailer for final fantasy yeah. 8 came out is one of the first things like when i had taken on the GameSpot tv job that came out i mean yeah. that was what you expected from both square and final fantasy was this cutting yeah. edge like visual feast and, and the, at the, the very least they've yeah. delivered on that so in that way they're honoring their legacy i yeah. mean it's, it's it's weird the visuals are incredible the audio in this game is amazing and i'm a sucker for audio as you know i'm a dj yeah. and i do produce oh, yeah. music and stuff um and the audio in this is incredible. So I, when I play games for capture, I've, I've mentioned this many times, I turn down the music so that when you yeah. use that footage, you can edit with it and yeah. you don't have what's called train wrecks where the music is clashing together. But what that does, it, it allows me to see how much work has gone into, into the sound design. Because yeah. <laughs> I hear the rustling of the clothes. I hear the footsteps. I hear the fingers rubbing against each other. And most games just cut that crap out. Yeah. Most games, oh. if you hear them without the music, you can hear the sound of the wind blowing and footsteps, and that's it. And that's it, yeah. And this game's Foley work is insane. It's Every almost, it's little sad that like, if you don't turn the music down, you're missing all this amazing effort that's gone into the You do hear it, kind design. of. Like, okay. it's well-mixed as well. Like, the other uh, thing, too, is, like, if you play it on a good surround sound system, it sounds incredible. The oh, awesome, directional awesome. sound is awesome. The mix is good. Um, the, the production values in this game are amazing. Graphically, auditory both off the charts awesome and now they do cheat a little bit because it's not an open world which helps you you know dedicate yeah, more poly yeah, to certain things up, but whatever but... the bottom line is the game looks and sounds amazing so i think both of those things are up to final fantasy standards again i already feel like i've got 70 dollars worth of entertainment out of this game the story could take a dump on itself in the last <laughs> 10 hours 
And I'd be like, that sucks. Maybe the game shouldn't have been that long, <laughs> but I still got 70 hours yeah. of entertainment or $70 of entertainment out of this game. And that's where I'm sitting with this game. Like there's just so many, it's just bonkers. The stuff that happens in this game. And again, that's where you get the final fantasy payoff. There's just stuff where you're just like, what? Like, how do you even think of something like that and, and then make it happen inside the game? So there's you, all you, kinds you of Marvel. Me. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of Marvel and wonder in the game. I think it nails that part of Final Fantasy. Really, my biggest complaint is that it's just too easy. You can just mash your way through the entire game. And if the story does indeed fall on its face later on, then that's a ding that I would give it. But I'm 30 hours in and that hasn't happened yet. So now, now would is is it possible since it sounds like the story is quite, quite interesting that given how easy it is, you could just kind of mainline the campaign and really just kind of ignore the side stuff. You like could. I'm wondering if that might be a fun way, or at least for someone like me, like I'll get a lot of the visual spectacular and this, this like tough as nails story, which I don't expect from final fantasy whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, because you, you can you, definitely you, do that. Because, yeah, of, again, I, I the way that they me. label the side quests. So if you just see a green icon above, like, an NPC's head, mm -hmm. that's just, like, generally go fetch something and bring it back to me quest. If it has the plus, that's the only side quest that you really need to do. And I've been playing it for 30 hours, and I've only come across, like, four of them total. So, huh. and yes, otherwise you can just plow through the game. It is very linear. You never are wondering, like, where I need to go. It It is very hand-holdy in that way. But yeah. I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not the guy I'm who wants to wander around, like, reading this obscure note I found tucked away in some closet somewhere that's like, <laughs> now you need to go over to blah, blah, blah. Like, I Trust prefer me. games that do one that of my bigger complaints about Tears of the Kingdom is like, would you mind holding my hand? What? Tell me twice? where I need to go. Tell, I, yeah. agree. <laughs> I agree. That's a big complaint of mine with it, too. Um, so I guess back to the question that I have is like, who should these games be made for? I, I think they need to be made for the biggest audience possible. This, if yeah. you're making a 60 hour game, that's a huge investment. They've worked on this game for like seven or eight years. And to be like, you know what? We're going to make it for the same seven or eight million people that buy it in the first month. Yeah, and then yeah. the other three million that trickle in over well, time. I just think that's a losing strategy. And I think it's going to make the games better. I feel like this is the best Final Fantasy I've played, even with it being so easy, since the SNES era. Even despite all amazing. the flaws that I found. That's so, amazing. All right. I, 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 I actually... My my, you know, I I, I may be uh, no longer a games industry professional, but I still have interests like it. So mm -hmm. I want to check this out. Just I, I I've, I've got to see I've, I've got to see this. Play so. the demo. Just go yeah. download the demo and play it. It's two hours long. You will know when you're done with that whether you want to buy the whole game. Yeah, you will got you it. will know. And that's the other thing I would say to people who are watching this right now: is you're still on the fence, and you're like, man, I don't know. Download that demo. Now, I will say this. The game doesn't quite hold that standard the whole way through, but that vibe is sustained throughout the entire time. Yeah. So if you play that demo and it resonates with you, I feel very confident in telling... I would tell you to go buy the game at 70 bucks, honestly, like That'd from be, that demo. It's, so, it's just, yeah. But I don't have children. I'm happy yeah. to spend 70 bucks <laughs> on a game. <laughs> I don't really... I mean, to your point earlier, like, you're right. Games should be way more expensive than they are. Like, yeah. I've never complained about them bumping it up to 70. Yeah, so yeah. there is a little bit of like some of Nintendo's games. I'm like, and they've been good about it. Like not jacking up the price of their Kirby games to 70. Yeah. Bucks. The Kirby game. I was like, it's <laughs> and it was more like, you could have just warned me it was going to end. Yeah. Like it, it felt so abrupt. I'm like, Oh, we're here. Yeah. Yeah. I so like anyway, that Kirby game though. <laughs> yeah. You liked it. 
I just it was for it, it being like a Kirby it game. Yeah, well, it was, it was a nice 3D platformer fun. Kirby. Exactly. Way overdue. Exactly. I I really liked it too. So anyway, what I'm getting at here is that I do recommend that you go buy it. Like I have played this for 30 hours. If you don't think 30 hours of entertainment is worth 70 bucks, then we're just sitting on different scales here. I personally do think it's worth it, and my guess is I'll probably get at least another 10 hours out of it before the story yeah. starts to fall to crap. It's, it's, it's yeah, if you. Th- I still never think you should put a dollar amount to your hours of enjoyment. That right. just, it's just it's it's so hard to do. But if that equation doesn't work for you, I need to know what you're waiting for right. in life. Because yeah, good luck. <laughs> you're going to wait a long ass time. <laughs> I have some words for you on legal prostitution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, it does, it does capture Final Fantasy. It has like, it could maybe use a little more levity, a couple more jokes here or there, but the jokes are good. Like they're legitimately funny and they land. Oh, that's good. Which is the writing in this, Adam, is incredible. It literally is like the writer from Game of Thrones wrote this game. I'm not exaggerating. Oh. It's that good. Like Wow. Yeah, okay. I know. It's like hard. I can't, again, I still can't believe it. I still, my mind is blown by this game in some ways. So I'm telling you to go buy it. It has all the crazy off the wall stuff. It has a chocobo with an eye patch. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah, I think this really, my only hang up with this game is what we talked about earlier. Time. Just Time. figuring out where I put it into my already pre-planned game schedule. Which goes back to my question of, are games just too damn long now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's my final take on Final Fantasy 16. We'll probably be back next week when Matt's back on the show, because I know he's been playing it. I have a feeling he's probably going to share a lot of the same opinions that I've had. Um, playing through the final version of the game, but we'll see. You never know with Matt and I. Some he surprises me sometimes, and I'm sure I surprise him sometimes. Hey, I, I, I mean, I, I keep tabs from afar. I know sometimes you two are simpatico, mm-hmm. especially with because uh, I'm on board with you. What was that Metroid game? Uh, Metroid Dread. Yeah, uh, I was not the the biggest fan of that one. Like you yeah. two are happy to be apostates together, but then I've yeah. also heard the two of you clash. Oh, like, we have thrown down else. for sure, man. <laughs> That's passion, though. It, look, yeah. if you're going to do what we've been doing as long as we've been doing yeah. it, Adam, yeah. if you don't have that passion, it's not happening, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll tell you more about Metroid Dread when we're talking about Zelda because okay. it ties into my whole thing with Nintendo. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. I'm, I can't wait to hear your impressions of Zelda either, honestly, because um, you, you definitely seem to like it more than I do. So I'll be interested to hear some of maybe your rebuttals to some of my criticisms of yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. I think say. it's also just how you play the game. I think if I was playing it like I did some other games recently mm-hmm. or, or like in the old era, mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't care for it. No. Okay, so there you go. That's Final Fantasy 16, at least my final impressions of it. I'm guessing Matt will chime in next week with his final impressions as well. That man uh, knows how to chime. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, next up, we're going to talk about the biggest event from the week. We were wondering, like, why is Nintendo sitting out Summer Game Fest, not E3, whatever the hell you want to call it? We were like, man, PlayStation did a big press conference. Xbox did a big press conference. Some of the third parties did one. Where's Nintendo? Out of the blue. Nintendo's like, hey, we're going to do a Nintendo Direct. A little later than everybody else, but we're going to do one. And then the big question really, Adam, was like, what the hell are we supposed to be playing on Switch for the next, like, year? Um, yeah. At that point, before this Direct, all we knew about was Pikmin 4. That's it. There were no other uh, Metroid Prime 4, which, at this point, I think we can all agree, is a launch game for the next Switch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that Mario Kart Anybody 9. who thought this game was imminent when they announced it 
in that ramshackle fashion at it's that been six the, years since they announced it, Adam. Right, but, but don't you remember the title card they put yeah, up? Yeah. It was like they quickly got an intern <laughs> with MS Paint to put yeah. something together, slapped a four on it. Yeah. Everyone's acted like it was around the corner, and like I needed nope. to come out of retirement and bitch slap the entire world. <laughs> oh, I was so angry. Well. Oh. Well, Nintendo finally answered the question of like, what the hell are we going to be playing until the Nintendo Switch 2 launches, which I'm really starting to wonder now, Adam, if that might be sooner than later. Because um, they so this I, Direct gave us games for the rest of the year and then two more yeah, games for next year. And that's it. I think it's, it needs to be next year. It, like, I'll, in, I'm in thinking, all honesty. I know they usually launch their hardware Q1. I really think it's going to be holidays next year for Switch. There's no reason why they shouldn't do holidays. Um, The Switch was so successful, I think, beyond their expectations Mm -hmm. that holiday in their next year. The best reason of when to launch your game should be how much can you make available. Yeah. Like, it should have nothing to do. Like, Nintendo will sell. That's like, that is now, like, we're back in that era of Nintendo, but it's now don't sell out. Like, just keep, keep selling. I think launch lineup for Switch 2 as it sits right now, Metroid Prime 4, Mario Kart 9, and a special version of Tears of the Kingdom that looks better and plays better. That's that's and doesn't it, bottom out at any frames per second. That's, that's a one yeah. hell of a launch. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, and you know what? Maybe, maybe repackage all those 3D Marios and put it back on sale again with Mario Galaxy 2. Right. Yeah, that was a huge omission, which is like the best 3D Mario ever. I, know, I was I like, know. what are you doing? <laughs> I go back and forth between that and the original Galaxy. I can't yeah. decide which. Yep. So <laughs> yep. it is a tough one. But I think two is more refined. Um, one felt so fresher and more unique, obviously. Yeah, obviously. yeah. But anyway, so finally, Nintendo has this direct, and it tells us, you know what, you're going to be playing more than Pikmin Four over the next six months. Um, it's first, I think, the biggest announcement from the Nintendo Direct. Some people may argue with this. I personally think the biggest uh, announcement was Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It yeah. is the first new 2D yeah. Mario Brothers game in more than ten years. Yeah. Don't you and think that's crazy uh, for me, I kind of what were those other ones called ten years ago? Like new Super Mario Brothers, and whatever. I did not like them because <laughs> the weight of Mario felt wrong to it me. It was different, yeah, yeah. And this, I'm guessing from what I looked at visually, it looked like it was more in line with the classic 2D Mario. Yeah, I think my big concern with it right now is I'm not sure that it has a real hook to it. It's called Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and the Wonder part is like a, a <laughs> flower. <laughs> it's a flower that you can activate that transforms the world for a brief period of time, and it like enemies disappear out of nowhere, and the environments change briefly. That seems to be the big hook for the game. I don't know if that's enough. Um, obviously, what everyone's really latched onto though is like Elephant Mario. He can transform into like an elephant, like. It's like it's so easy for Nintendo. Like they can literally just do anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how stupid the idea is. The fans are just going to eat it up. It's like the it's like the one scene in the trailer where like Luigi rides by and like gives a nasty stare. Like that turned into a meme that lasted for like two years. Like Nintendo fans will just latch on to anything and make it a meme. I know. It, and that has already become a meme, obviously. It's all over <laughs> social media now. Um, we did I like the fact that they that the hook doesn't look too overwhelming. Yeah. I always I sometimes get anxious when I think that 
it's they've they've leaned i got really worried uh i was not the biggest fan of odyssey Mm -hmm. uh, but i got really worried when they showed new donk city because humans and stuff it's like what (laughs) yeah i did like that idea and it looked like some of the worst elements of sunshine Uh where it's almost too environmental that it isn't as deliberate i like deliberate mario that's why i love 2d mario some level designer is sat there and goes and then you're gonna do that and then you're gonna do that and then you're gonna do that that's what i loved about galaxy um by the way first 3D Mario game ever that I did not get every star, every Same shine, or whatever. Same with me. I just got through. I finished the game. Yep. I went back and got like five more, and I was like, just, "I'm good." It just wasn't compelling. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just like I can't game, say it's, but just it's not, not bad. Yeah, not sublime, but it's like yeah. 3D Mario's usually are. It, it really felt like the tail end of a relationship when <laughs> you're just going out to dinner together. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good analogy. But I'm sure for the young kid, like my, I have a, I have a nephew yeah. who yeah. got every shine who, or yeah. every mood yeah. or whatever. It's like, their first Mario. Yeah. It's just, and he's it's, like yeah, completely exactly. obsessed with it. So, I mean, that's kind of going back to what we were saying about Final Fantasy. Like, who do you make the games for? So yeah. are you making Mario for my nephews or are you making it for me? Probably smarter to make it for my nephews, let's yeah. be honest. So I kind of it, understood. It's, it, it, you know, it, 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 kind of what you're saying about the old Zeldas and things like that. Nintendo can solve this problem, though. If Nintendo stops behaving so strange with their back catalog mm-hmm. the way that they do, yep. make it available. Make yeah. it so that, like, either with a ment- with with a monthly subscription fee or whatever you want, I can have that back catalog. You can fuck Mario over five times over. Excuse the profanity, because I can still go back to what I love. Yeah, and it's it's just such a weird one, and that's why I think that we put too much weight on what the new iteration is because it might be all we have. Yeah, you know, you know, just but if you give me if you give me Galaxy One and Two, that's three years of entertainment. I can dip in and dip out. Games are gigantic as well. Yeah. And they're worth playing all the way to the last. Yeah, exactly. Drop. Yep. Uh, we did get some details. Um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder features Princess Peach, Princess Daisy, and Yoshi as playable characters. And then there's also other playable characters, the ones that you've got before in 2D Mario games like Mario, Luigi, and Toad. Um, and as I said, it, it includes the debut of the brand new power up for Elephant Mario. Still not 100% sure what that's going to do. I'm guessing they're going to build stages where you can just run through them and just destroy them. I don't know. I, like maybe it's the new, um, you know, invincibility star. <laughs> it is a it's a fun way to do it. Just stampede. That's a good idea, actually. Yep. Uh, so, but then the big surprise is the game is coming out on October 20th, like yeah. very soon. Also, by the way, October is turning into a nightmare for yeah. people who do this for a living. Yeah. There are literally like 20 gigantic I'm games coming out in October. so happy I picked this year to not have anything to do with the James It's going to be overwhelming. Like, I don't know yeah. how we're going to do it. Like, we're going to be covering October games like halfway into November because we're yeah. just not going to have enough time to get to them. Even well, November looks kind of show. light unless I'm... Yeah, because I think everyone thought Starfield was a November release. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just so many. It's gonna October's gonna be overwhelming, but that's another yeah. one that's October 20th. Um, the other big game that I think some people may say was the biggest game in this direct is Super Mario RPG. It's a remake of yep. the very first Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo. Um, this franchise has continued on all this time. But yeah. the last like three entries have just been so forgettable. And a lot of in a lot of ways, they got away from the core kind of timing based turn based combat 
of the the original and have kind of gone off in these other directions. Like the last one was like all about collecting like stickers. Like I feel like people have been waiting for this franchise to get back to its roots for a long time. And what better way to do that than to remake yep, the freaking yep. original? Um, I think this is a brilliant idea. I know people like to slag, not just Nintendo, but lots of publishers for remaking games. No, I do not. I I don't really either, honestly. I don't yeah, ever. They do a good job. I don't care. Well, people act like there were resources that were going to go towards something else right. if it wasn't for this. And I'm like, you need to work in a company. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how things well, that. You also have to realize that your company needs to make money to keep paying your paycheck. The, the question I have, and this is just my question all the time with Nintendo. I'm not, I, I'm gonna play it. I'm happy for it. I'm excited. But why? I wish when like they're so strange and mercurial about their remakes that mm -hmm. if they could at least belie, like, does that mean we're gonna see the reemergence of new RPGs? Right. That would be great. Right. But it's like they it's do context it, somehow, and they right. act like some kind of like cutesy. Doctor well, Evil, like their oh, gift giver. They're giving, it? they're giving I, fans the gift that they've been like, asking for. I mean, it's it's like, look, people. I'm going to keep on hitting on this probably for the rest of the show until <laughs> we talk about Zelda. Yeah. Nintendo is a company that's run by adults. Yeah, and people need to start realizing that. Yeah, that, like, <laughs> everyone treats Nintendo like it's the village idiot. Yeah, and that the mere fact it gets its pants on in the morning is worth <laughs> celebrating. And I'm so sick and tired of it. And yeah. Nintendo plays into that. Yeah, it's like why it are they works, doing though. this? <laughs> because it, it works. It works because of this slavish. It's like a Nuremberg rally of toddlers of these people, many of whom are in the press that just eat this up and yeah. act like the most undignified numb nuts. Yeah. I like Nintendo games, but I like them begrudgingly for all these Nintendo other fans reasons that you that don't embarrass like. me. <laughs> oh yeah. God! Yeah, it's it's it's. It's just interesting that they chose this. It, it just, yeah, it, it's, a, I, I, I don't know. They need to just, there are times I wish Nintendo would act like adults and explain their logic. Yeah. Uh, that's never going to happen. It, I, I, it I, takes I away the mystique, not. Adam, if they do that. The Nintendo mystique it's is a, gone. But their mystique is acting like a blithering <laughs> idiot to please itself. I, it's but not, they'll, <laughs> you know what they're just going to say? Scoreboard. Oh, I know. They're going to make money. But the thing is, they make money on it until they don't. Because right. you and I remember the back half of the Wii. And yeah. I was we remember the Wii U. from the rooftops that that was going to happen. I mean, that we remember the N64 and the GameCube. Yeah. Let's be honest. Both of those like, in Nintendo's regards were failures. Like big time failures. It's the amazing amnesia that Nintendo uh -huh. has when they're successful. They seem so wholly forget. Well, they, they were the, bailed out by the fact that they ditched a, the handheld part. Like they yeah. now that they unified their development, they're making yeah. games for just one platform. They're OK. When they had to when they were spread thin and they did yeah. to decide do we make another 3DS game, yeah. do we make another it's... Wii U game. That's when they were stretched too thin and they couldn't do it. Now, I think to your point, I think their their hubris has come from that. That decision oh, yeah. that was very smart has given them this boastful, almost like. Well, Perspective. Oh, yeah, but, but, but they were that way during the Wii until they realized no one was buying games for it. Yeah. And like the second and third half of the console cycle. No buying games for yeah. It. You make yeah. money off of software the second half of the console cycle. They were somehow thinking people were going to keep buying Wiis, yeah. which is just like, it, it, that's like thinking. Well, they had, they sold up. like 150 million of them. It's yeah. like, no, like it's, everybody has one. Like, 
Oh. You rely on those people buying games, and they just never did. They're like, I I'm just good will never forget sports. the grief I got for calling the Wii U what it was the moment they announced it. Yeah, uh, and I was right. Yeah, well, remember but we were like, I had to go and like check under the cabinets to see if it was a Wii or a Wii U. Yeah, I know. people thought it was just a Wii with a with a tablet. Oh, I was, I was like, screaming no, 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 at there's Matt. new hardware down there. I was screaming <laughs> at Matt through the IFB. I'm like, Matt, is this a new console? Is this a new yeah. console? And Matt had to go. I, 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 Nobody I don't knows. Know. <laughs> no one knows what this is, and yeah. it's like, it was. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, tomorrow RPG is coming back. If you guys don't know, the plot is very simple. Um, you're basically just trying to wipe out the Smithy gang because they have stolen seven stars that you need in order to repair the star road. And that's pretty much it. It's turn-based combat. And I like that. Yeah. It's turn-based combat where you time like the button presses with Mario's jump. So it's it's like active turn-based combat. It was popular then. I believe it's going to be popular now. Um, it comes out on November 17th. So another game is coming out in the very yeah. near future that was just announced. So um, I think Super Mario RPG is going to be great. I think it's going to be big, particularly for people who weren't around when we were, when the original came out for Super Nintendo. And obviously the graphics are just like a gigantic <laughs> overhaul. It's like night and day. So, you know, Go Jay, ahead, you, you, you've got me thinking now because Nintendo does like to, well, only recently do have they been releasing like big stuff in, in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. But one of the big things that we've always talked about is that the minute you announce a new console, your current console sales just they start to like, flatline. Yeah. And you know, I think that software sometimes gets hit as well because yeah. you've seen the new shiny thing and it's like, but my current shiny thing isn't as shiny. Yep. And do I want to keep spending money on this not quite as shiny thing, or do I want to save it for the shinier could, thing? Could Nintendo do something as radical? that's being done in the music industry quite successfully announcing drop within an incredibly short window. And it's something I hope they do that like mm-hmm. could the beginning of next year. I, you think you know, first the, quarter maybe still for a new hardware. I, I'm just I'm throwing it out there as an option or early, early second quarter. There's and, only two switch games announced for next year. And you figure. Yeah. This will probably be out in the first I quarter. Mean, ideally. All old Switch games play on this new one without and I think any we that today, actually, In fact, that's a little news tidbit from today is that people were trying to get Nintendo to talk about Switch 2. And uh, the only thing they would say is that your eShop account is going to be really important for Switch 2, meaning it's yeah, going to that, be backwards compatible. I mean, that so. strikes me as the minute you solve that problem and then it's a hardware upgrade. Notice that they said that first, Adam, to your point about people losing interest in games and hardware when you announced a new one, Nintendo basically saying, look, the new Switch is going to be backwards compatible. That should keep people from not buying games. So they're like, if they're afraid, like, well, I don't want to buy Super Mario RPG because Switch 2 is going to come out next May and then I won't care about it anymore. If you know that you're going to be able to play that game on Switch 2, then why not buy it? So, well, also, the uh, I just got the Zelda edition because I had like a launch edition Switch that was just garbage. It just stopped working well. Yeah. Um, so you got the uh, OLED, the new Right, and yeah. it's really nice. I don't it know is. how much more improvement for the handheld element. They just need to fix the to the TV element for old farts like me that don't take the Switch anywhere. Yeah, I, pl- I always play I, on TV. That's what books are for. Yeah, I play outside. on TV like 99%. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that it's, I'm starting to think, you know, the only question is, yeah, whether or not 
it's quite possible that a game like Metroid Prime 4 that it will not perform on TV at all without the Switch 2. Maybe mm-hmm. it, it, it could work very well. On oh, I think there will be games that will be only yeah. Switch 2 for sure. Yeah. But I think yeah. Zelda, they will make it cross-platform. They'll make it work on Switch 2, and you'll still be able to be... play the older one on Switch 2. I know. The thing that's going to kill me is there's no way I'm going to go back and play Zelda again. No. And it, before I started playing this one, it was with that that knowing that they, they could very well do this, and I'm going to just be screaming to the heavens. You made the decision, I could have played a better <laughs> you, version. <laughs> you made your choice, Sessler, and now you got to live with it. <laughs> uh, moving on to some of the other games that are announced. Those were the two big ones. Everything else is kind of smaller. Um, Detective Pikachu Returns was announced. Mm-hmm. That's coming out on October 6th. Did you play the first Detective Pikachu? No, I'm an adult! (laughs) It it wasn't very good. It did end up selling pretty well, though. Yes, for children! Yeah. It seems like it's humans that do the squee when the Nintendo does anything. (laughs) Um, It does seem to be a a direct continuation of the first game, for those of you who did play it and enjoyed it. I'm not one of those people, but... Um, but th- again, that is coming October 6th. So that's another game that's coming very soon. And then another game that they showed was a new Princess Peach game. And that is one of the games that, that Nintendo announced for 2024. I really can't draw any conclusions about it other than it appears to be 2D and side-scrolling. The rest of it, I was like, what is going on here? It was very it's, weird what they showed. I mean, it's, it's yeah, I, I look at it more from just a monetary standpoint that... That's one of the few characters that they've never really exploited very well. She had her and um GBA game. That yeah. She's had like I don't remember playing. So far. All I remember is trying to play Princess you know, like the weird thing about Princess Peach in Super Mario Brothers 2, which wasn't even a Mario Brothers game. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the, she was the floaty one that mm-hmm. um only had there yeah, her was limited... soul would help her float. Yeah. yeah. It gave you a lot of room for error, basically. Yeah, you know, that. I guess I still haven't seen the movie. Um, oh, you haven't? Uh, no, I haven't. I just didn't go to the theater. It's good. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I've heard it's a lot of fun. It's not um, great, I, but if you are a Nintendo fan, there yeah, are moments. I've heard there's a lot there. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it was, I still just remember everyone acting so shocked that it made money. And I'm like... I was shocked <laughs> that it wasn't abysmal, is what I, I will yeah, say. I really well, thought it was going to be awful. It's, so. I mean, that group at Universal is good at they never make the best animated movies but they never yeah. make horrific animated movies like yeah. it, it's 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 like it was the right direction for for Nintendo to go I'll probably watch it at home it's worth um, watching for sure yeah uh but uh it sounds like there's a song about her in the movie yes there is a very awful song that other people seem to have latched onto like it's incredible yeah i guess keely at his musical festival of himself that happened yeah. last night. <laughs> Hearing so, that song live, like I probably just would have walked out at that point. Yeah. I've been like, okay, um, I'm good. I'll beat the traffic. <laughs> but that was like the highlight of the concert. Right. The so they, For most think, people, they love that song. I don't know why. It's like the dumbest thing ever. It's it's that kind of zeitgeist. I like, think that I maybe done Nintendo's capitalizing on. That is not the height of Jack Black's powers. That song. Like <laughs> I could have made that song. But anyway. Um, so there is a Princess Peach game coming next year. We don't know much about it. Um, and then Pikmin 4, which was the only game we really knew about before, yep. it got like a pretty big blowout. Um, the big uh, bullet points for that were you can customize your character, which is something you've never been able to do in Pikmin. Um, and then you can now, in, normally for Pikmin, one of the big parts of the, the game was that you needed to get back to the mothership before night came. Yeah. Because at night, 
all the dangerous yeah. creatures came out and there was a scene you're like oh i made it back and all the creatures come running out it's too late i got back in the ship well now you can stay out at night and fight those tougher enemies and they gave you new pikmin called glow pikmin that can help you fight the enemies at night so those are the two things. How excited are you for Pikmin 4, Adam? Look, the franchise never resonated with me. What's interesting, part of it was, I think it had, I never liked the tutorials. They're too that, long. Well, but also <laughs> it doesn't, and I never got out of it with a full understanding. Like once it throws you out there with that time limit, I always screwed up. And it just, I, it was, I never they ended up ditching the time limits eventually. Like yeah. they, they softened that like big time because a lot of people agreed with you. Like yeah. they did not like that part of the game. And so they've made concessions over the last couple installments to kind of fix that. And that it's has just, carried over to Pikmin four, but it just never was my, I mean, it was also Morgan just absolutely went to that, like water to a sponge, yeah. which so always you, you is like, on I can just kind of like do something else. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I can't see myself taking the time yeah. to, 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 to play Pikmin four. The other thing but, too, um, it's been so long since Pikmin three, you do almost have to re-educate yourself on the franchise again to play it. Yeah. Again. And I can see a lot of people like you being like, no, I'm good. It's just that's the thing is that for me, and I think for a lot of adults, it's like it's not a money thing. It's a time thing. Yeah. And it's it does like, get that way. Know, time is yeah. money as you get older. People yeah. say that kids, to me kids, when I was young. 50 like, this what are you year. talking about? I got all the time in the world. They're like, well, someday you won't. And yeah. Like, and I have hit that point of my life. Where I, I am more that. angry about wasting time on something than I am about spending money on something. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I value my time a lot. So uh, Pikmin 4 is coming out pretty soon as well. So there's a nice little healthy mini library of stuff for Switch coming in the very near future. Um, So, and then cross fingers that Nintendo does something very, very business savvy. Uh, And like there won't be that lull because I think post Pikmin 4, I think you're right. A lull happens. Yeah. Uh, or excuse me, it could happen uh, because nothing big happens until this next console. Waiting until the console. And you, then, you know, manufacturing issues. Do they have problems like getting enough components for it to build enough? It could just, it's going to be PS5 yeah. and Xbox Series all over again, probably. The Very hard problem, to get. And, and I, you know, because you have Patrick on a lot. Uh, you well, Patrick know, does a show for us. That's right. That's right. That, But he taught me the one thing that finally made more sense about like what happens with these supply issues mm-hmm. is that for those mega, you know, processing plants like Foxconn mm-hmm. over in Shenzhen yep. is that when you order, you order like a lane, a manufacturing lane. Mm-hmm. And those lanes make, you know, in they, they make product in the hundreds of thousands. Yep. Like you can't say I need ten thousand more. No, you no, get hundred thousand more. You, gotta, you so place you big need, bets. Yeah, you need to know that things are going to be big. Nintendo had eaten shit yeah. on consoles for a while up and you know, but before the Switch, yep. that was the problem. With the ramp up. I think it's safe to say Nintendo can can bet Bank large on, on 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 this one. So I'm Agreed. all the more hopeful for that because their components are not complex components. That's why Nintendo consoles always are so cheap. We well, yeah, have the so chip in the cheaper. switch is like 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a crazy. dude on a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a squirrel on a wheel. Yeah. Uh, a couple other smaller things that were announced in the direct, a new WarioWare, WarioWare Move It was announced. That's also coming in November, November 3rd. Now, if there is a franchise I associate with you, Shane, it is WarioWare. Because you of, made me of go my through X-Lay so many hijinks and... for reviews of WarioWare. <laughs> 
would reenact the mini games <laughs> yes. inside the reviews that I would do for that on X Play. Yeah, that was fun, man, doing those. I'm sure it probably wasn't very fun for you, but I had fun shooting. I them. was like, okay, as long as I don't have five <laughs> other things to do today, it's good. Yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, the new WarioWare comes with 200 micro games. Um, it appears to have like a big multiplayer focus this time, but really the vibe that I got from it was it almost feels like it's morphed into like a competitor for just dance. Like it's also almost just turned into kind of like this waggle to the music into the rhythm thing now, which to me, that's not what WarioWare was ever about. It was about this absurd mini game that happened so quickly that your brain didn't have time enough to process it before they threw another insane mini game at you. And so you start this next one while you're still laughing at the last one. And then you get bombarded with something else that's insane. It's like this self-repeating cycle of awesome. That to me is WarioWare. Like, I don't yeah, know that yeah. what I saw of Move It has really kind of displayed that. So I'm a little nervous about it, but I'll be honest, the last WarioWare, the other thing about WarioWare games to me is like, you play it once and then the, you get the jokes and then it's yeah. just not fun anymore because you've learned how to beat the mini games and like, they're not funny anymore. So yeah. it holds very little value for replays and you can generally play through a WarioWare in like two hours and yeah, play through the all thing. the micro games. So like, it's, you know, it's actually a pretty hard game to make. Like, you know, yeah. as small as those games may be, there is work that still has to go into their development. Yeah. It's so. like Matt says about Sonic games all the time. Like a developer will work for six months building a level that takes you 55 seconds to yeah. go through. Like yeah. WarioWare is the same deal. It's yeah, like absolutely. a lot of work for a very small um, outlay of time to actually play it. So um, again, that's coming on November 3rd. And then a brand new Dragon Quest Monsters was announced called Dragon Quest Monsters The Dark Prince. Again, this game is coming December, early December, I think December 1st. And if, for those of you who don't know, because it's been a while since we got a Dragon Quest Monsters, is this basically just Square Enix's take on Pokemon. It's oh, that's right. It's just a turn-based RPG where you yeah. go out and collect critters and then you train them and you breed them and you just build your I like party. to call it Dog fighting for children. Yes, that's pretty much what, that's what it is. is. <laughs> Cock fighting for children. Um, so again, that's coming out on December 1st. The franchise has never been a huge hit, but it is kind of perfect for Nintendo uh, because I don't think that there's a big Pokemon game coming out this Q4, if I remember correctly. I haven't um, heard of one. And if you fill that void with a Pokemon-like, you'll probably do okay sales-wise, particularly with the huge installed base on Switch at this point. So... Um, I think that's probably a smart move for Nintendo to money hat that to get it exclusively on his console. And I don't think anybody else would have. So Square Enix went to the right partner on that, I think. Um, and then a couple smaller things. Um, Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon, which was a 3DS Luigi's Mansion game and a real Luigi's Mansion game, I would add. Like, it, they didn't really skimp on that at all. Like, it was legit 3D Luigi's Mansion. Um, they are bringing that to Switch. It's being completely remade with all new graphics. Okay, so it's not kind of a, here's a game that's not going to, well, Metroid Dread. Um, no, <laughs> they completely redone it with the same, basically the same level of visuals as Luigi's Mansion 3, which I really love, by the that's, way. That's, that's, that's really cool. That, like, it, it actually isn't a cynical, just transfer the code over. Nope, that's, they completely cool. rebuilt it. They announced Wave 5 of the Mario Kart 8 Booster Pass. They're starting to wind that down, which again... Leads me to believe that Mario Kart 9 is waiting in the That's wings. That's a very good, yeah. All I that DLC is winding down. Way. And I mean, just think, of, you could launch Switch 2 with just Mario Kart 9. Yeah. But you're going to have that and Metroid. Like, it's going to be one hell of a launch. Um, and then they announced Pikmin 1 and 2 for Switch. And that was one of those things where they announced it and they're like, and it's live right now. See, uh, now that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, granted, they're not remastered, remastered. Like, um, no. I guess it's more in line with the the. I'm blanking the with 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 the three D Mario All Stars stuff. Yeah, so, it's just yeah. like, hey, we have this old code, and we got it to run at 1080p, <laughs> and that's good enough. <laughs> it's called Dolphin Emulator. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Let's just be honest, because the Dolphin Emulator is actually better. Than the emulator that Nintendo uses to emulate some I of know, this stuff. I it's know. really bizarre. You, um, you you can even see it with Galaxy. It's yeah. it's it's something. You can. Um, and that is the Nintendo Direct, which basically ended up being Nintendo's not E3 press conference. Adam, what kind of a letter grade would you give that Nintendo Direct? And you can give pluses and minuses too. Yeah, I would say B plus. Uh, because the the Mario wasn't expected, yeah, and it was welcome. I really thought we were going to see a 3D Mario because it's been forever since we got Odyssey. Yeah, and that's that's the problem. It's kind of reminiscent of that notorious BlizzCon where everyone expected Diablo Four and they got the mobile Diablo. Immortal, it's not as yeah. horrifying, like, <laughs> like it's not the tin ear of that, but. Nintendo, a lot of times, because it's got that kind of North Korea, nothing bad can ever happen here vibe. Uh, yeah, I said it. Um, <laughs> that, that when they're like, no, it reminds you it's not the Mario you kind of was thinking about. Yeah. And well, also, that, I mean, that here's the other thing. That like, there's something waiting in the wings. I mean, a 3D um, Mario could also be ready for the launch of Switch that's 2. That's what I'm saying, is that that problem is resolved very quickly in my theory that the window between announced to launch of the new console, including a new Mario, is is right around the corner. It could be the greatest Nintendo console launch lineup in history. If, yeah. if those four games we've talked about are there at launch, unreal. unreal I mean, launch. all of the breadcrumbs are there for that. So. Yeah. Yep. I am going to give the Direct a B-. Um, all right. I, I think the first two games we talked about, big deals, smart ideas, going to sell really well, going to get the fan base excited, but I feel like it just kind of fell off a cliff after that. Nintendo showing that Princess Peach game, to me, is a big harbinger of what's going on here. Like, that game should not have been shown at all. And yeah. in the last, like, seven years, Nintendo would not have shown that game. Like, it yeah. doesn't show, like, these weird concept things anymore. That's not something that Nintendo does anymore. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if we never see that game ever again. And so that that's to me, very not like Nintendo to like show not something anymore. And it not to show up. It yeah. used to be like Nintendo yeah. used to show lots of weird little demos that Miyamoto would work on. And then either they would never come out or they would be rolled into like a star Fox yeah, game yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, I, that princess peach game may never see the light of day. And we haven't seen Nintendo present something like that in a long time. To me, that shows you switch winding down about to wind up the next console. Um, yeah. And, you know, press conferences at the end of a console's life cycle are like this. You get a couple of big games, you get a bunch of other crap most people don't care about. That, to me, was this Nintendo Direct. Good, but not great. But to me, a sign of awesome things right around the bend. All right. It's time for us to move on. We're going to talk next about... Madam, do you like XCOM? Oh, yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. It's a polarizing franchise. Like, yeah, I know. I, it's... People either love it or they hate it. Like very few people are like middle of the road about XCOM. Well, it's also, it's like, it's really, really hard. It uh, is so hard. It really gets down to what do you want out of a gaming experience? I don't fault people who don't play it. And I don't fault people who almost have a, like a, like a, a visceral reaction when yeah, it's yeah. brought up. 
Well, one of the things that makes it hard, obviously, is the permadeath in it. Like you can yeah. you spend a lot of time, you can build up a character because a big part of it is like squad construction and squad building. You have this yep. base where you're like recruiting people and bringing them in and you're training them for very specific things. And then finally you bring them off the shelf and you take them out into a mission and they die. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> I just well, spent, yeah. I spent three hours building Eric yep. and now Eric is dead. It, I think it allows for a type of failure very few games these days allow for. Like, the gut you score. can plant the seeds for your own demise without knowing it yeah. hours before you figure it out. So, yep. Well, we have another XCOM clone. This okay. one is set in the Aliens universe. It is called Aliens Dark Descent. And I'll say this, when they, they did not promote this game very much. When they Ooh. first put the trailer out, like it looked like a squad-based shooter. But then they showed like some other things. We were like, wait a minute. It looks like they're like taking cover or something. And I was like, that looks like XCOM. But they kind of were very specific to try to steer it away from the XCOM comparisons. But now I've played it and it is absolutely XCOM. It is, <laughs> it is a squad-based um, isometric strategy game where you do very much the same thing that you do in XCOM. You have a base where you're constantly, you're building the base itself, because if you actually build out the base with XP, it becomes better at training soldiers and getting them ready to go out on the battlefield. You take four out at a time. If they, they can faint and you can try to help them while they fainted or they can die altogether. And then you could go to like an APC and you could draw, you can withdraw another character out of the APC and bring them on the mission with you. One thing I will say is that it's more flexible than XCOM. Like XCOM wouldn't let you do that. Like no. XCOM is like, if you lose somebody, you need to finish this mission with what you got left. This game will let you go back to like a little APC thing and re-withdraw somebody if they do die. But if somebody just has a concussion or passes out and you don't have the, the medical supplies to rebuild, they stay there. And then you have to maybe, if you want, you can go back and try to rescue them still. Um, so there are some tweaks to the formula here. Um, they don't really say like where in the Aliens timeline this game is taking place, unfortunately. Or if they did, I totally missed it. Um, but the storyline, the basic storyline is you're on a big space base and a ship shows up to the space base and there's an alien in the cargo hold and the the the, the container that the alien is act, opens up, the alien comes out, all hell breaks loose, there's aliens on the space station, there's other space stations floating around you, these massive ships, but you look at those and the same thing has happened to them. You can see through the windows that there's aliens in those too. So you you administer this protocol that basically uses all these satellite lasers, <laughs> these space lasers that blow up the ships to kill the aliens and kill, obviously, your crew on board or whatever. You try to escape. You're on this other ship that like crash lands or whatever, and you land, and basically the whole objective of the game then is to try to fix the ship to get out of there. And of course, as you get there, you discover this other base. You discover that there's a cult that actually worships the aliens and the aliens somehow leave them alone. The story of it is actually, I was pleasantly surprised by the story in this. And the tension and the consequence, I thought, were pretty good. Um, the problem is, is then you start playing it. And just for the record, and this is important for this game, I play this game on PlayStation 5 because I have had tons of issues with bugs and other stuff in this game that apparently are only on PlayStation. Like if right. I looked at reports from the PC and the Xbox versions of this, and they were not having the issues that I've had, but li literally on PlayStation. So it ignores, it just ignores commands. Like you, you like, so 
how the game works is you use a cursor to move your crew around and the squad moves together. So if you put your cursor on a piece of cover and hover over it, it will show what your squad's going to do. It'll show that like one, two, three, four, there's like dots that will show you how they're going to basically orient themselves to cover. Now, once they go there, you still have to give them the command to actually hunker down, which is really freaking annoying. And I don't know why. Wait, what? Yes. I don't know why. But you do. But but also, it's not like XCOM where you, you know, you're limited in how many spaces you can move, but you can move each individual unit independent. There's no grid. Um, you can individually instruct the units, but you instruct them individually for combat and healing and stuff like that. Like, the way the combat works in this, you can't flank. Like, there's, there, there's very little strategy involved in this. So... Again, you're playing from an isometric perspective, which is is handy because it does mean that you can see the aliens that are kind of far away. Yeah, yeah. But you can also throw down like the sensors from the aliens franchise that will tip you off to where they are. And once they start coming at you, like there's really only one thing you can do, and that is find a choke point, a place where all the pathways converge into one like alleyway, which means that no matter where the aliens are coming from, they're going to come to that one spot and then post up and figure out the exact optimum distance that your weapons can fire and then post up there and wait for them to come into the choke point and then unload on them. But how how the combat works is you squeeze R2 on the PlayStation controller and it brings up this menu of like options that you can choose from. To choose from those, you then have to tap the other shoulder button to cycle through them. Now, while you're doing this, to be fair, everything doesn't pause, but it goes into extreme slow motion. Um, but still, like there are some times where the aliens just barge out of a door right next to you and they just attack you and there's nothing you can do. And the combat is so freaking clunky. It's just a disaster. So you're like, oh my God, they just barged out of this door. Now I'm trying to hold R2 and I'm trying to cycle through the thing to get to the exact thing I want and then hit X. And that's where the PlayStation version would just ignore your commands and not fire the weapon. It fires the weapon, I don't know, 60% of the time when That's it's supposed bad. to. <laughs> I was like, what bad. the hell is this? <laughs> so the game is hard as nails, not in the way that XCOM the is, where you're was, right. Yeah. Like, you're like, okay, this unit can move 15 grid point or grid marks or whatever. There's no grid in this. Like you can move your, your uh, party as much as you want, as far as you can go with the cursor, you can tap it. And then if you double tap it, they'll actually run to that point. But if they get scared and they get scared all the time in this, they won't run. They'll like walk like real slow. So you have to go back, stop them, select that unit that is scared. Use like the anti-anxiety medication on them or whatever, but maybe you run out. And that's the other thing like that you find in this is like every time you go to use something, you don't have it. Like you're always running out of ammo. You're always running out of grenades. You're always running out of medical kits. And so a lot of times like somebody faints or whatever, you don't have the stuff to revive them. You just leave them there. And you can come back later, like the one thing I will say is the, the world is like open world and alive. So it does remember like the stuff that you did or didn't do. So you can come back and try to rescue them. Or in some cases, like you just are getting bombarded and you just get to an elevator and just freaking leave. You can come back and also try to mop up the mission objectives you didn't accomplish when you were there before. But the aliens are more difficult and smarter when you go back. So it's just cost benefit analysis in the game. Like, after you get past the first three or four hours, I thought the game just became almost impossibly hard, where you're just fighting with the controls or whether the inputs are going to actually work or not. Like, there's just some times where they're just like, you know what? We're just going to send five aliens at you. Good luck. 
and like you lose half your squad and then one alien comes and that's enough to kill like half your squad. I just died over and over again. Couple that with the fact that it wasn't accepting my inputs in a lot of cases for the controls. And I was like, what the hell? This game is driving me nuts. But what kept me playing was the story is pretty good. Like again, like they cover stuff that like, there's a little bit of it in like Prometheus with like the cult and this other mm -hmm. like society and culture or whatever. But most alien games and movies don't really cover anything like that. But this does, there's like a cult that worships the aliens and the aliens have learned that like, oh, they're helping us. They don't attack them. And they have this symbiotic like relationship between the two. Like the story I, th I found was pretty interesting. I thought the tension was good. Half of it was because the controls don't work. But I did feel like I was constantly on edge while playing the game, not knowing where the aliens were coming from, not knowing where to expect an attack from. But ultimately it became very frustrating. Um, but what saved it to me was the other part of XCOM that I really love, which is like building up the base and building up this army of people that when your guys do die or you do have to leave them behind, you can roll somebody else right yep, into their yep. place. And again, that's something that this game does better than XCOM is that mid-mission, you can actually bring people back into the, or bring people into the fight to replace people who have died. And so that does help a little bit, but you still, you have to get back to the APC to do that, which is almost impossible sometimes. So a lot of the game is like, Survive as long as you can and then run like hell to an elevator and yeah. <laughs> and hope that you get back with three of your four people left and then replace one of those people, the people that the person that died with someone who's been sitting on your bench waiting to become a part of your team. So it has some of the best parts of XCOM, which is what kept me playing it. But the, where it deviates from XCOM is where I feel like it falls on its face. Like I would much rather have the grid based strategy RPG gameplay. It's more mathematical. It's more strategic. Um, like the way you get screwed in XCOM is like, I have this weapon that tell that are telling me it has a 95% hit rate and I really need this hit to land and you hit the 5% and it doesn't land. That's where XCOM gets really frustrating and pisses you off. All the combat in this is frustrating and pisses you off. Like I never felt like I got better at it. Like they do eventually they like, give you turrets and they give you like these, these gadgets that make like walls of flame. So you can basically like block off areas from the aliens. So you can get a little bit strategic with that. And if you set up a turret right next to one of the choke points, it can wipe out like two or three of the Xenomorphs before they get to your squad. So they do give you tools eventually that makes it, that should make it a little easier, but then the enemies become smarter and faster and bigger and more deadly. And so it just feels like a wash. It's a little bit like Final Fantasy 15. I never felt like I became more powerful playing through the game. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It had been a while since I had played an XCOM game, to be honest. It's probably been like three or four years. I thought I was ready for it. But then, unfortunately, the tweaks that they had made to that formula for this made me not like it. Yeah, it's, it's... I remember hearing about it, hearing it was kind of an XCOM-ish type game, and that did not appeal to me. I mean, a, the Aliens franchise isn't, I think, the best uh, to to, yeah. to move over to this, I but you would think like aliens should make great video games. Why do we not have just like dozens of awesome aliens video well, games? The thing is, has there ever been a game like this, this type of treatment to aliens? No. See, I I had this funny memory. I'm a we're talking ancient history. Mm -hmm. It was like a judges' week up in San Francisco, and Sega announced. This was like the beginning. This is when like the the Gearbox Aliens game was announced. Colonial Marines. Yeah. yeah, but it was part of a lot of different treatments of Aliens games. Well, actually, and, you are playing as the Colonial Marines in this game. Yeah, I think this might be an 
ancient, ancient. This uh, has probably been gone through so many different hands. Possibly. Something that was out there, but moreover, it's that XCOM works because it was made so well. Like the controls, it is. It works being so hard because everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you can play it so that when it gets really hard, you kind of go, ah, oh, that was my fault, actually. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to have this many chrysalids that I got to fight through, you know, late in it. But it, it's like that happens in this game. Like, just get bombarded. I almost yeah. like, put the controller down sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to die. And you just put the yeah, controller down, that, watch them wipe out your squad. It just like... sounds like a weird hybrid. It's, mm-hmm. it's trying so hard to not be XCOM. That it underserves its player. That it's yeah. worse for it. Yeah, you're right. That's like, way to put like it. This, this kind of confirms all of my suspicions upon hearing about it. Yeah. Um, now, I will say this. If you are a big Aliens fan, and I'm an Aliens fan, but not like crazy Aliens fan. Mm-hmm. If you are one of those people, bump it up a little bit. Because it does do a good job of handling the IP, to be fair. Like, better than most Aliens games in the past. Like, there are just like little moments where you can figure out that they get it. Like, for example you kill one of the xenomorphs too close to you like they'll dissolve in a puddle of acid and if your party's in the acid it'll start to burn them and you got to get them out and you have to heal them from the burns there are face huggers that if they jump on your party and they're on there long enough they will turn your your team into xenomorphs they will if you leave you're a down party member too long an alien will come along and drag them away and turn them into an alien so there's some little touches in it that I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And if I were a big aliens person, like I would think that that's more than a little cool. That's really freaking awesome. So there are touches like that. But again, one, just don't buy it on PlayStation. Who knows if they couldn't figure out how to keep like the lack of inputs working. Like I, I wonder if they'll ever fix it. Like, I don't know how you can't figure that part out. Like before the game is launched. Who's that, the publisher? Oh, uh, it's Focus Interactive, I believe. Okay. I think it is. It's one of those yeah. like mid-tier, like B-level yeah. Yeah. publishers. Not yeah. quite an indie, not quite a triple A yeah. guy. Um, and the game is 40 bucks, which is a little steep. It's available for PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox Series, and Xbox One, but it's not really like a looker. Like it's one of those games that the closer you get to everything, the worse it looks. Cause it's it's an, <laughs> it's an isometric game. So most of it is played from like sky high. And the other yeah. thing too is that presents problems sometimes because you can't the way the transparencies work. You can't see around and behind stuff at times. Um, so say you want to set up like one of the choke points I was talking about earlier, and you think, oh, you look really quickly. You're like, oh, that's a good spot. Then you get there and you realize that it's actually not a choke point because you couldn't see it. Another problem I have is that the map that's on screen doesn't rotate with the world. So if you move the camera around, that map stays static. So you're like, oh, you're looking on the map. You're like, there's a place, the the quest marker's over here. So you're on the screen, like, I need to go here. Oh, no, actually, you're facing, like, upside down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That is horrifying. That's a capital offense, as far is, as I'm dude. concerned. It's awful. I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I went in the, the options. I could not find a way to turn it off or to set the map up so that it followed what was happening on screen. There's just little stuff like that that are just, Quality of life nightmares, basically. They just turn me off to this game. And I do think if you're a big Aliens fan and maybe also a big XCOM fan, you might be willing to fight through this stuff more than I did. But $40 to me is this way too This does not steep. sound like time well spent. It just, I didn't have fun with it. And it's like, at that yeah. point, it's like, we played this stuff for entertainment. We don't play it to like fight through it, which is no. a big argument I have against, you know, playing games like Dark Souls. It's like, 
I it's just annoying and it makes me angry. Why am I doing this? <laughs> like, why would I want to play this? I I totally can accept that you love it and it's your thing. It's not mine, and I don't think yeah. anything is ever going to change that. Like yeah. Elden Ring didn't change that. I played Elden Ring. If longer. Elden Ring doesn't change it, yeah, it's not going to change. I yeah. played it a lot longer than I had ever played a From Software game, but still, after like fifteen or twenty hours, I was like, "Fuck this game! Like, <laughs> I don't care." Like, I just started watching YouTube videos. I'll go watch all the bosses on YouTube or whatever. So, like, if Elden Ring didn't change my mind on that, it's not going to change yeah. here. So, um, again, Aliens: Dark Descent. It is an isometric, real-time strategy action game with a decent story that handles the aliens IP pretty well. Um, so I would bump it up if you're a fan. But for everybody else, if maybe you're just an XCOM fan, you're looking for that. I'm a X-Men. fan of both. There's no way I'm going to touch this game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I would say also too, like if you're maybe on the fence and thinking about it, like I would wait till like 20 bucks to buy this. That's the most I would spend on this game. So, um, I think they have something there. Like I do feel like if they made a sequel, it might be a lot better. It might be something that I actually enjoyed because I should like this, Adam. I love yeah. XCOM and I like Aliens. It's, I, I, it's I feel like this game sounds more and more like it was a contract that had to be fulfilled when this thing got released. Like they had the license and like we they had, had the license to see been worked on for games. so long that I don't think we'll ever, ever see anything like this again. Uh, Disney awesome. owns the license now. And so that's why I think there was a pre-existing you may be right. something. Yeah, yeah. That's, that could be that they need to get this out maybe before the end of the year or whatever. Who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. But this studio has something there. It's just not quite polished enough to make it happen. So um, that's a big pass for me on Aliens Dark Descent. All right, next up, we're going to talk about actually a game that I think both Adam and I might organically have interest in because we both really like the genre. And that is a competitive four-on-four 3D platformer called Crash Team Rumble. Adam, have you have you heard about this game? I've heard, and obviously Crash, we're talking about Crash Bandicoot. Yep. It's set in the, yeah. yeah, multiplayer <laughs> Rumble, like the Rumble pack on the N64. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're connecting all the dots, Adam Sessler. <laughs> this is a, basically a team-based 3D platformer set in the Crash universe. And really the objective is, um, there's so there's 10 different maps that you can play on, and there's a base on one end, a base on the other end, and in between... There's all these 3D platformy levels, and there's Wumba Fruit, which are the collectibles in the Crash Bandicoot franchise. And you go out, you collect fruit, and the objective is to take the fruit back to your base and then score those. So you need to stand on your pad for like five or ten seconds or whatever, and then it counts the Wumba Fruit and it adds it to your score. The first team to get to 2,000 Wumba Fruit wins the game. Now, there are tons of like caveats and twists to make it better than what that simple concept sounds like. Um... You pick, you pick from various characters in the Crash Bandicoot universe. I would argue that there needs to be a lot more because there's only like eight. But I start thinking about it and I'm like, are there more than eight characters in the Crash Bandicoot franchise? <laughs> like, it's I not was about like- to say, the Crash Bandicoot universe <laughs> is that, that that universe is doing a lot more lifting there. <laughs> it, it's no Mushroom Kingdom. I'll just put it to you that way. Um, so there are eight selectable characters and they're split into like three different classes there's like the scorer um like the blocker and the defender or whatever um so like crash is the scorer he can move faster than the other guys it just basically goes down so the scores run the fastest the defenders are the slowest but they can take the most damage very video game tropes um so talking about like oh do they have eight characters these are the characters that are in it there's crash there's tana there's cat bat there's dingo dial 
there's Dr. Embryo, Dr. Entropy, Coco, and Dr. Neocortex, who is obviously the villain in the Crash Bandicoot franchise for years and years now. Um, and those are the characters that you can choose from. Um, and of those, I probably know three or four. <laughs> so I almost got the half of them, Adam. I don't know about you, how many of those characters that you recognize. But um, I know Crash Bandicoot. That yeah. is it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the objective is you go out on the maps, you collect the lump of fruit, you're trying to score, but you're also trying to keep the other team from scoring. And so before you begin each match, you choose your character, but then you also choose a special. And the specials will work for any characters. When you first start playing it, you have you can choose from like two. And like the one that you can unlock right at the beginning is like a piranha plant that's a turret. So obviously in a game like this, that's very important because you can either <laughs> put the turret by your base to keep people from keeping you from scoring or put it by the enemy's base to keep them from scoring. So there's some strategy in how you use them. And then like one of the other power-ups is a refrigerator that you can plop down that heals you. So if you're one of the blockers, you're the person trying to keep the other team from scoring, you just camp out at their base, put the refrigerator down, and as they're attacking, your your health is continually being regenerated. So again, more strategy to the game than you might expect. Um, so as I said, there are 10 different maps, and they're all pulled from the games. I've really struggled to find a bad map in this. They're not all symmetrical, and I would argue that they probably need to be for competitive reasons, but most of them are. I think seven of the 10 are basically perfectly symmetrical. And the other ones will just have kind of little offshoots that you can go to. And the reason that they have like these different areas is because there's some twist to how the game works. So there are pads located throughout each level. And after you go around and you collect these keys, so you collect Wumpa Fruit and you collect keys. What you're collecting the keys for is you go and you stand on these pads and each power-up needs a specific number of keys captured to it. So like the, one of the very simple ones is a beach ball. There's like a beach map or whatever. And it's a pad where you can turn into a beach ball. And once you do, you can move really quickly. You can knock the enemies over, blah, blah, blah. Those are simple. So you need to like secure like three or four keys to unlock that. So you collect the three or four keys, you stand on the pad, it syncs it with the pad, and then you turn into the ball and off you go. Um, for some of the bigger ones, and there's some crazy ones that can actually like turn the tide of the game. Like one of them is like this crazy like spiked cage that you get into that would that would totally not be out of place in like Twisted Metal or something like that. And that's the thing that throw in the wild card into the matches are these pads that give you these different power-ups. Now, there's also these other pads that you can find. If you turn them all your color and you hold them for like 10 seconds or whatever, it gives you a multiplier on your capture pad. So say you have... 20 Wumba fruit that you've collected and you go back to your pad to cash them in. If somebody has set up those three pads and if the counter is has tacked down, it will double what your score. So if you have 20, when you capture them, you actually end up with 40. So there's all these little elements of the game that actually adds a good bit of strategy to it. Ultimately. Um, the problem that I've run into playing this game, and I'll be honest with you, Matt, uh, Matt, I'll be honest with you, Adam. I had way more fun playing this game than I, ever dreamed I would have. I am a fan of 3D platformers like you are. Yeah. The platforming, the skill in platforming isn't that important because the other thing too is you can attack each other. So Crash has his spinning attack. He can do like a slide attack. Um, Like some of the bigger ones, the one guy has like a big vacuum where he can suck up Wumpa Fruit, but he has this big like tailspin that he does. And then some of the specials are like 
here's this gigantic dude that you can just plop down and people who have him and have unlocked him will just go to your base and just put this gigantic enemy down on your base. Like, it's not fair is what I'm getting at. Like, <laughs> people who have been playing it longer have a huge advantage because the specials aren't balanced. It's like, you can have this big dude sitting on someone's pad or you can have a refrigerator that recovers your health. Like, does that sound fair to you? I played, <laughs> I had a lot of fun playing this. I stuck with it way longer than I probably should have because every game is a blowout. I have played probably 50 matches of this game and there was one, one close game, Adam, mm. in, in all of them. And the reason why, like after you play it for a while, you start to figure out the people who have played, who play it very well and have played it a lot. They can just lock down your base and you can't get anywhere near it. Anywhere near it. I can't tell you how many times I played this game and my team just gave up. And there's no way to surrender. So your team can't be like, like I said, it's the first team to 2000 Wumba Fruit that wins. There have been games where it's like 1800 to 175. And you're just like, <laughs> what am I doing? There's Adam, there were times where I just went and hid. I'm like, I'll just go hide until they finally hit 2000 because there's no way to surrender in the game. And there's no way to turn the tide to come back that much. Well, this sounds really bad because I'm going to assume that this skews younger, or at least it's going to be appealing to younger players. And that's not good if you yeah. can't throw in the towel. Like, I can just see what happens between 10-year-olds in a situation like this. The other thing, too, is the tutorials for this are they're almost too long that you like almost like check out after a while and stop paying yep. attention. And there's yep. all this little nuance to the game. That if you're not doing it, like if you're not capturing those pads and getting the multiplayer on your capture base, if you're not taking the keys to these pads and turning into the crazy spiked wheel that you can run over people and get to the other base. Really, if you're not doing that, you have no chance to win. In fact, if you have like one person on your team, who's not getting that, you have really no chance to win. So Every match was lopsided. It got to the point where half of the games, we couldn't even get near our capture pad because the other team was so good at defending it. And like the games would just drag on forever because they're like, well, it may take us a long time to get to 2000 Wumba Fruit, but you're not going to score any. So we're going to get slowly, we're going to get to this 2000. You're going to end up with zero. And that's the way a lot of the matches ultimately played out. And the other thing about it too, it's a shame because again, you can see there's something really fun here. Like, and it's something unique that I've never played before. It's like, Smash Brothers in an open world, I guess, is a better way to put it. Um, with some caveats and some things that should be there to help turn the tide of the game. But the other thing about it is this game costs $35, and it's available for both PlayStations and both Xboxes. No PC and no Switch yet. It costs $35, but it has a season pass. And as you play, you earn points, just generic XP or whatever. And basically, after every match, you do get like a new cosmetic, a hat or a pair of shoes or a backpack. Who really cares about that crap? What you really care about is unlocking the new playable characters because they do matter because they have special abilities and unlocking the new specials so that you can get that giant that you can drop down on their pad so that they can't flip and score. Those are the things that matter and those unlock so slow. And so I don't know about you, Adam. To me, any game that I pay money for that has a battle pass in it, that's a big... Like, why? It, it, like, make it free to play. This game, I'll say this. If this game were free to play, and they tuned it up, because tuning isn't that tough, Adam. You know, you just go in and tweak some values in the algorithms and whatever, and you could generally get the game to a pretty good place where it plays well. This game could be huge. It already is huge. I am shocked at how many people are playing this game. 
I have, there's no problems getting games. Like I thought I was going to start this game and I would sit there for like 15 minutes waiting for a match. No, it's like that because and this is Activision. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's also cross platform. So you're playing with people on both playstations. You're playing with people on both Xboxes. And from all those communities, that's enough people to always have matches. Like you don't have to wait at all for matchmaking. So the game is huge. But it could be gigantic if they made it free to play or if they just got rid of the stupid battle pass crap and just gave you what you paid for. I paid for this, Adam. Well, I didn't. This is why Microsoft needs to buy Activision. <laughs> <laughs> I think if Microsoft buys Activision, you'll never see games like this. And I do have to wonder if this was a smart idea to make and release this game. Um, it is, for the most part, it is very polished. And again, it, it plays unlike anything else. Um, I've never played a game like it before and I have a lot of fun with it, but the mat after a while, it's a competitive game where you can't compete. Like yeah. either I was on a team that blew out the other team or I was on the team that got blown out. There was never even close. Like I never even got to the point where I was like, holy crap, man. Like we actually have a, we're only down 200 Wumba fruit. We have a chance to come back and win this thing. None of that ever happens. Like within five minutes of every match, it's too late. It's like over. Um, so there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. I think there's an idea here for sure that could be huge. Like a game like this set in like the Mushroom Kingdom could be amazing. Where you have Actually, all those moves and stuff like yeah. that. It could be a blast. But set in the Crash Bandicoot, it's just too limited in characters that I care about, in moves and abilities that I care about, in settings that are immediately recognizable. Like most of the maps are, I'm, you know, they are pulled from Crash Bandicoot, but they're really just like generic snow level, generic yeah, jungle level. Yeah. Like I didn't play any stage on this. And I was like, that's level five, two from crash bandicoot two. Like that, that doesn't happen in this game. Everything just feels very generic. Are um, there hardcore crash fans? I don't think so. I think back yeah. in the day there was because PlayStation positioned him as like the anti Mario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. But, but I think once he went multi-platform, I think all of that just disappeared. Because remember, in the GameCube era, then they started like releasing it for everything, and yeah. I think he just lost his his allure as like a PlayStation mascot at that point. So, but again, this isn't available for Switch yet. It should have have probably been the first platform that they made it for. Like, <laughs> I mean, this matches the Switch audience way more than like PlayStation or Xbox. Let's just be honest. But they haven't. So, I don't know. It, it was a grind to unlock the new characters and the and the specials, and that's what you really need to be more competitive at the game. The games were always blowouts. I do feel like there's simple changes that they can make to this to make it better and make it really like a big hit. Honestly, like I'm, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed what I was doing. It was just the it outcome. It just wasn't a good competitive game. Yeah. And I'm a competitor, Adam, you know that I know that about you. Like I'm the guy, like you tell me who we need to beat and you point me in that direction and I run after them. Like That's me. And I've never denied that. I've always been that way. It can be an asset sometimes. It can be a pain in the ass sometimes. But for video games, I'm very competitive. And like when I felt like I had the, I did not have the ability to compete, that's when it was all over for me with this game. So I do wonder if I check back in a month or two and they've had some time to kind of tweak things and look at a lot of the data that they're getting, if it's a much better experience then, or if they start dropping like how long it takes to unlock the stuff that really matters in the game, then it could, it could turn around very quickly as well. Um, but as it sits right now, that's a hard pass. Like, particularly at 35 bucks for a game that should be free to play. Um, I also have a feeling within a few months, this game will be turned into a free to play game. It's a little shady to me that they try to like milk crash fans for 35 bucks. What children? Activision? <laughs> shady? No, not in the least. No. Yeah. 
Um, and then another thing too that's a little weird about it is that like it's a grind to unlock stuff, but this isn't the type of game like Call of Duty or Mario Kart where you come home from work every night and you sit down and play it for two or three hours. It's just not one of those games. So you're not constantly going to be grinding, trying to unlock stuff. You're going to play it like on Tuesday and then not play it again until Saturday or Sunday. And like, it just feels like a lot of the stuff in this game was misguided along the lines of its framework. The actual nuts and bolts of the game itself, they're cool and they're fun. It just, they need to tweak some of the algorithms and they need to tweak some of the rewards and the pacing and they need to completely ditch the stupid battle pass. There should never be a battle pass in a game that you pay for. I hate it in Call of Duty too. I think it's complete garbage that like every season you start over at zero. It's like, no, I paid $70 for this game. Give me that assault rifle. Like I shouldn't have to play it for another 40 hours to get the stupid ass gun. Like, so I'm I apply it equally across all games. Any game I pay for should never have a battle pass. That's how I feel about it. Um, I don't think that's a polarizing view, honestly. How do you feel about battle passes, Adam? I don't. Do I play games? Do you with play any passes? games with battle passes? <laughs> Does Destiny Two have that? Yeah. All right. I mean, that's the one that I tend to play. I think Diablo actually is going to have something like that. I think they're going to reset after the season. I don't know how long the season is. Yeah. But. I tend not to gravitate towards games that would have one. So, uh, I, I yeah, your logic is if you're paying for the game, the it's probably the easiest way to generate revenue for for a, a, a game as a service. Mm-hmm. But it's I, I like the idea that free to play with Battle Pass makes way more sense. Yeah. What about just paying for games as a service? Period. It's really. Because PlayStation is going to be asking us to do that big time here over the next, like, three years. Oh, I think you're right. It really depends what I get in return. Um, The problem is a lot of these games, Destiny 2 being, I think, one of the best examples, where three years in or four years and whatever whatever it's been, it suddenly became the game everyone thought it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. at launch. And at that point, you're like, oh... I get Hold it. On. You can ask more of me now, and I get it. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like with hopes and dreams in the beginning. That's why I think it gets tricky. What then? But these games take forever to make, and at mm-hmm. some point, the money has to. You know, there there has to be that return. Do you think uh, these games goes- of the service are going to fly for PlayStation Marathon and Hell Divers and Fair Games? You know, how are those going to go over? It seems like the fans are already like. F you. (laughs) I know. Sony's about to understand that, like, they're, 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 you know, they stoke those crazy PlayStation fanboys. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they've ever fully understood those crazy PlayStation fanboys. Yeah. And I think they're going to bite back. Um, I would like them to cut them loose, that the game industry needs to stop leaning on them to begin with. Uh, Sony has started to wean off of those that audience. Yeah, Sony, I think, stokes them the most, Mm -hmm. and I I, I think there might be some bite back. Um, Microsoft, I think, has done a very good job of just trying to create a market that does not rely rely upon those crazies. I do wonder too, like, what other IP is there for PlayStation on PS5 at this point? So people are complaining, like, oh, all these games they showed, they're all these games as a service games. I don't care about those. People have already moved on from those games and rejected that. Oh my God. But then I, I start love... thinking about it and I'm like, the, 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 the PlayStation fanboy who really is like a, a focus group of one. Yeah. Like these people do not have any contextual experience in life. 
Yeah. Um, I looked at that data, and it's like Sony needs games like that. They need that kind of base. Um, they're they're gonna get. I mean, Destiny's well established. I have faith in Bungie because they've worked so hard to get to where they are. They know. They know the alchemy almost, you know, I, I don't know who might know it better. Some elements of Blizzard, I think, has that. Mm-hmm. Um, new IP, that's, I think, Sony's biggest challenge. Like, they, I mean, Ghost of Tsushima was a real lucky blow for them. Yeah. Uh, they struggle with a lot of new IP. But and... it's like, so what IP is there, though, is my question. So people are like, these games of the service games suck. I don't care about them. I don't want to play them. I want big Sony quadruple a seven years to make player. those games but it's not even about that it's like okay what kill zone yeah so calm like what's left adam that's my question uh, well, well, like, it's also bloodborne okay i'll give you bloodborne people need too, to also but... people need to figure out also what sony makes money sony doesn't make money on those wonderful games they make <laughs> like they're well, i mean they turn a garbage. nice profit on the god of war stuff like very late, years. late yeah. down the road. I mean, you, you have to sell happens. ten million at least to turn a profit. But I mean, yeah. Sony's margins are not pretty. You know, this is my my. Wait, this goes back to what I was saying uh, earlier. Microsoft can be very successful without being number one. Yeah, and uh, well, it's Sony third, can, and it's still Sony surviving. can have really nasty numbers and be number one. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they've curried this sense of being so prestige, so so HBO about what they do. Um, but uh, once again, push is going to come to shove and for them to actually make money, they're going to have to really alienate and disappoint, you know, the, the, the drooling lunatics that, that make up the Sony fan base. I think what we're realizing is that for a long time, Sony skirted along by securing exclusive third party games. Oh yeah. It it wasn't exclusives. It was third party. And now that has dried up. And so it's whole business strategy has kind of collapsed. It's like, now you need to make a SOCOM game that's going to sell 15 or 18 million copies. You need to make a Killzone game that's going to sell 15 to 18 million copies. You can't. Nobody cares about that IP because you used to get Tekken exclusively all the time. That doesn't happen anymore. That's right. Like all these, there used to be all these third party franchises that would just bend the knee to PlayStation and be like, sure, at the very least, we'll give it to you for a year. I mean, they still got Final Fantasy somehow. I don't know what Square Enix is well, taking. Well, because I but... don't think Final Fantasy is as strong a brand as it once was. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, it would have been good for Microsoft to have it, but I don't think it's game-changing. Well, I mean, you the know, not like Call of so Duty. Far, Call of great. Duty is very important. You, you're right. You know, back when Sony... Excuse me, I'm going to just wipe my eye there. Sure. Um, When Sony was making its arguments about how bad the acquisition of Call of Duty was going to be for for, for Sony, Sony was also kind of saying, we suck. (laughs) Yeah, they were. They were basically admitting that we can't. And I was really shocked that they were saying something like that. PlayStation was saying, we can't make a good shooter. Well, but they're also saying, we don't have a franchise. We don't own anything at the juggernaut level. Well, look, they tried. They tried with resistance. They saw what Call of Duty was becoming, and they're like, "Okay, this wasn't." I mean, it's just like we're going to put one of our best second-party studios on a shooter, and they put Insomniac on it, and Insomniac couldn't make a shooter that could compete either. So, because also Call of Duty is, I don't understand the appeal of Call of Duty, but it's. (laughs) I mean, I don't understand the longevity. It's it's the most accessible shooter. Yeah. Yeah. It's everybody it's can access. pick it up and people play do it. it. It's 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 almost like people aren't trying to reinvent basketball every year, right? It's like, a sport. It's, it has it's become a taken on that particular type of role. That's really the strongest argument Sony has. But 
they're just saying that they're not good enough to be able to find finance or you know something of that nature. Yeah. Um, it, it's 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 interesting. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. I don't know how we got on that tangent from Crash Team Rumble. <laughs> right, well, you know what? Because Crash Team Rumble only offers up that much. But see, that used that itself. used to also be a PlayStation exclusive as well. Oh, yeah. Like a PlayStation oh, yeah. used to get not- all these exclusives, like. And that was a first Oddly, party it was one, exclusive at least, before they owned Naughty Dog. Right. There, yep. There's the real irony. How bizarre there. is that, by the <laughs> yeah. way? Naughty Dog sells it off to Universal, and now PlayStation owns Naughty Dog, and it doesn't own Crash Bandicoot anymore. Anyway. But making a game that only the oldest among us, which is <laughs> you and me, can <laughs> yeah. see the, the you know what is still Crash Bandicoot in that. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely true. Yep. So anyway, there you go. That's Crash Team Rumble. I do not recommend buying it at all, and I have a feeling in the next couple of months it will be free to play and will be tweaked. And by then I will recommend that all of you guys give it a go because they do have something there. It's just not quite there. Uh, next up, we're going to finally allow Adam to talk about some games that he's been playing. It's been cool. all me on this episode, me blathering on. And you guys, once you showed up and you knew Adam was here, you guys want to hear from Adam and I do too. So um, I asked Adam, you know, a couple games that he's been playing recently that he'd like to talk about. And no surprise, the two games that he wanted to discuss were The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and Diablo 4. So let's start with Tears of the Kingdom, Adam. Yep. I think we've already established through the episode that you like Tears of the Kingdom at least a little bit more than I do. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 I like it. I'm enjoying it. I go back to it every day. Um, I think about it a fair amount when I'm not playing it, which is an interesting thing. I mean, that's uh, but, generally the sign of a pretty good game. Yeah, <laughs> but having said that, I really didn't like Breath of the Wild. Like, like you didn't I like became, it at all? No, I, I, the way I described it is it's easy to admire and almost impossible to enjoy. Mm. Um, it was, <laughs> That's uh, a good way to describe it. That, like, what they I feel the same ta- way about Tears of the Kingdom, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I, I understand it's so neat That's that they were one. able to pull off the way that with only these simple skills, how it's so applicable throughout the world. Mm-hmm. But it just, I was like, okay, but I don't know... Uh, I found a lot of it annoying. And I'll say I this, found it Tears very of the Kingdom, annoying. Tears of the Kingdom um, does fix a lot of the really annoying parts of Breath of the Wild. For I, sure. I, the, the way I like to describe Tears of the Kingdom is I find that the game's goals and my goals are now one in the same. Whereas oh. I felt like what Breath of the Wild wanted me to get out of it and what I wanted to get out of it were like that. Okay. Um, here, I feel like I can always engage in some type of quest and... I'm getting the best that the game has to offer. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in Tears of the Kingdom, I kept on feeling like, okay, the good part's hidden from me. I'm sorry, in Breath of the Wild, I always felt like mm-hmm. I, I need to be wandering because that's where the fun will suddenly emerge. Here, I'm like, okay, you're, you're pushing me into new areas as I do things. I like that. Um, How I did you the- like the um, the building stuff in Breath of the Wild where it was more almost archaic and almost felt like an accident? Versus yeah. the building stuff now in Tears of the Kingdom. Well, obviously, because the building seems to be aimed towards a purpose, but also it's not, I have to build something so complex. I mean, I when I heard about building, I was like, oh God, I may never play this game. Mm-hmm. Because I think of some of the strange uh, opacity of some of the shrines in Breath of the Wild. I'm like, and now I have to build things mm-hmm. to, to be able to solve that. Like, I'll never second guess the puzzle designer's wisdom with that um i was completely wrong i mean pretty much building a bridge solves all problems 
But if you want to have fun with it, the fun is there. And I'm like, that that was the right balance. So that's my question that, for you. Do you have fun with it? Because I found myself building the ramp. I barely, I barely build. But, yeah, I, but really I love helping the dude with the sign. No, yeah. Because <laughs> they're very like simple. And you can do those it's a, in like it's a, good, a minute. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of thinking, are they doing a physics puzzle, an interesting physics problem that changes just a little bit from each instance? And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. It, flexes, I get it. I do it flexes it. the same part of your brain with yeah. a much smaller commitment. <laughs> and it helps. It's almost like it's good exercise for some of the shrine puzzles where the where the physics gets more complex and or the few it, times where they do require that you build something more complex yeah they don't do yeah, it all that often but they do it every once in a while yeah and um but i'm also as i mentioned earlier i play it three hours a day at most wow a that's couple, a lot though <laughs> yeah i've had a couple aberration days where i go deep in it uh -huh. and i don't feel an urge to have to finish it and mm -hmm. that's where it it gets different for me with the, the so many things that annoy me in games and God, there were things that I hated in breath of the wild. Yeah. But also I felt like I needed to finish that game to get onto another game, to get onto another game that does amplify those things here. I'm a lot more sanguine about stuff. Yeah. Cause you, um, you can, you don't have to yeah. worry about playing another game to talk about but it I on next week's podcast or whatever. But I also don't feel that, I never got anything done during my play session that like mm -hmm. shrines are finished in a good amount of time. Yeah. Like a challenge and then it's over. Cause God, I still remember some of the shrines from, from uh, breath of the wild where I was like, what stupid laboratory did you come up with? I mean, it was just like, I, I mean, I feel like that was some of the shrines in tears of the kingdom too. Like I, I wonder how much people would like this game if they weren't able to cheat by going online and looking at the solutions to some. Yeah, of these I, I've looked I think twice. Really? So yeah, and I'm about wow. 65 in. And I don't I have no compunction about checking. Wow. After I played it to talk about it on Game Face, I I didn't go for help at all before I talked about it on Game yeah. Face. And after that, I was like, okay, I want to just try to play this game for enjoyment. Dude, I did not give a crap if I went and looked at guides. Like if I got to the point where I'd fiddled around with everything for like 10 minutes or whatever, and like the and then like I would go and like read the exist solution, and I'm like who in the hell would ever think to do that? Like, yeah, I, 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 it, it might be that I haven't found those shrines yet. I have not gone to look for a shrine that wasn't right in front of me no. or that I couldn't see from a hilltop. Though I, How far like along I said, are you? How many of the beasts have you felled? Beasts. Yeah, well, like I've the done... big bosses that you fight. Oh, only one. But oh, okay. I, oh, You're still very early in the game. Is, well, but I decided I wanted to do one type of side quest first. Okay. Um, I have unlocked every tower and I have gone to, I wanted to do the Lucky Clover. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been to every single, uh, the, 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 the stables. Mm -hmm. um, because it's later in a game where I don't feel like new stuff. You mm -hmm. know, early on, in, earlier on, I'm like, I'm happy to do the exploring, discover things, open up the map. Get your travel points. That way, you can start to. It you makes know, everything else easier tired. for sure. Yeah. yeah, and so I, and I, I, I also I noticed with the lucky clover thing, it was a good way to get introduced into certain facets of the game. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. Did uh, your horses work? Were your horses for Breath no, of the Wild in the stable? No, mine either. The, the horses are crap. I even I, went in like checked and made sure my save was on my switch. Oh, and it was those there. got imported. I just think the horses are useless. Oh, oh, my horses never imported for some reason. It's weird. Oh, my. 
I mean, I changed switches and I made sure I downloaded the save. That, yeah, that's, I did too. And it didn't uh, matter. My horses never showed up. What? But you're right. They don't matter. So Yeah, they, don't, they really don't matter. Particularly after you've unlocked like all the towers and you can just fast travel. Everywhere. Yeah, it's it's and also they just they don't go fast enough. And once you finally get them fast, they don't turn. Right. It's like, yes, <laughs> what is this? even after you've yes. trained them, like they yeah, still it's don't like, turn right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the part that really does frustrate me is once again, this it's still opacity in the game. It's like, why can't you make the side quest more obvious? Yeah. Like in like where like how many side quests do you find? And it doesn't it, like you have to read through some of the most tedious dialogue mm. to get a hint at where to go and it's like come on that's yeah. where i'm going online for it's like i don't feel like i hate the cutesy dialogue like god there's one thing nintendo was they gotta get off its own dick like it is not that clever but this game also goes back to like who are you making the games for should you no make it for the 11 year old well, see, I have an 11 year old godson who's very relevant for Diablo 4. He's always coming over to my place so we can play Diablo. <laughs> and he's playing Breath of the Wild 2. And when one of us is boring the other, we call him a blood moon. Oh. Because <laughs> then we just go, I'm so blood moon. <laughs> Everything is hard. It's like, shut. It's like, there's like Nintendo is so enamored of itself and its dialogue and it so wants to be maintain the integrity of a world that let's be honest this world is filled with idiots that don't deserve saving okay <laughs> no one in this world can take care of themselves right. they should be left They're on the side hapless. of the road <laughs> to starve to death and rebuild from scratch yeah but but it's like just tell i would like to get i would like to do the side quest why are you hiding the side quest behind clues that don't make any sense yeah and it just what what's again i can solve it by going online fine but like the tedious dialogue and those things it's like it's i, I i'm not paying attention and like you know look most zelda stories can just just twiddle off yeah uh, this one just strikes me as like among one of the most tedious well breath like, of the wild didn't even really have slow? a story at least this one kind of has one it does but everyone is talking so slow <laughs> and important <laughs> we're an ancient race so we have time to talk like no the, oh god it's right. so annoying okay so you talked about things that bother you about it but you really like the game so tell me oh, the I love things the yeah, so tell me the things that you really love about it. Yeah, I, I just there's always something to do that I find engaging. Okay, like that's that's what the first one just didn't have for me. This it's like I put myself on a quest, just doing all the little things, and, and I feel that the the side quest, especially like the Lucky Clover stuff, it pushes me into parts of the map that I haven't seen before. That was always like when, when I'm saying like the two are lining up, is that I could either do the quest or explore the map, that the two weren't one in the same. Mm -hmm. That here, everything I do, I think like, oh, I'm gonna like be able to see the nooks and crannies of this pretty neat looking and well-designed world. Mm -hmm. um, and in that regard, that's what I love the most about video games. That's why I always cite Ghosts and Goblins as my favorite game is, you know, I wanted to progress in the game, not because I wanted to score or to brag to my friends. I wanted to see what the next level looked like. Yeah. And this delivers on that. I also didn't, Breath of the Wild was 
pretty rudimentary i felt like you know it's hot world it's cold world it's mm-hmm. here there's a, there's an interesting sense of variety and most yeah, you're right it, there's more gray in tears of the kingdom for sure yeah and and, and uh, the the and the quest the side quest once i figure out what to do yeah feel meaningful like yeah, everything most of, them. Here, most of them are uh, in the in the previous game was just like get me 20 of these get me this get me that i've only run into some of that Adam, I am uh, wondering if your strategy, and I, actually Matt did the same exact thing when he uh-huh. started playing Tears of the Kingdom. He just ignored the quests and just went and unlocked all the towers. Yeah. You did the same thing. I am wondering if that might be the ideal way to play. Because for me, playing Tears of the Kingdom, it was bouts of the awesome stuff that you talked about that I also really liked. Yeah. Interspersed with like really annoying traversal. Getting caught in like the mountain range where you're like, climbing up and trying to figure some way to get up this mountain and all the textures are just repeated over and over and over. And then finally you find a spot like where you get, Oh my God, there's civilization again. That happened to me like over and over again, where I would just get lost. So it was like Skyrim. Out, yes. Very much like <laughs> yeah. Skyrim. Right. Um, get lost out into this almost like procedurally generated nothingness. And yeah, like, yeah. how do I get through these mountains? That's what the like, underground is like. And that's, I was is, struggling though. with that last night. And like, yeah. I don't think this pitch black thing that is now reliant upon your economy of arrows to be able to illuminate. Right. That seems, I don't, that's, it's so cumbersome. I cannot figure out how this like is decided, that is the 2. right way to you go. Metroid Prime 2 is like that. It had the dark world where you had to yeah, find like these little umbrellas right. to hide underneath for like, yeah. yeah. And I hated it's it for just, that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a really weird decision. I don't really know how much this underground world plays into this. I'm, I, you I, don't I, need I know it to play it that an, much if you don't want to, honestly. Yeah. I know that there's an, I learned from uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez on Blue Sky talking about uh, how she finally discovered the um, auto builder. And that's if you do this one mission down. And that's why I'm, you know what? I didn't discover that either. You know, and Matt was like, Oh God, you played the whole game without the auto builder. And I was like, yeah, I did. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing right now. And then I'm I'm good. But I I, I mean, so wait, AOC gave you a pro tip. Yeah. I know. Is that that really happened? Yeah. Yeah. Really did. She (laughs) didn't give it to me personally. I caught her mention. She's like, pro tip about Zelda. I saw her on blue sky and she skated that. She's like, she's like, Oh my God. I just discovered there's an auto builder in Zelda. You're on blue sky. Yeah. I oh, just got on. Like? Let's be friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I have like no friends on there yet. Oh yeah. I'm up. I'm, I'm on there. Yeah. I it am Shane Satterfield. I got rid of Din Fire for Blue Sky. Okay. So. Okay. Um, yeah. It, 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 I just, it, I don't feel like I'm fighting the game. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. that's really, and I like almost all the Nintendo games as of late, I feel like I fought. I fought. Mm-hmm. Odyssey, I like that hideous Metroid game that all the kids came crying to me about. Yeah, uh, I think ultimately, right. though, a lot of those kids wiped their tears away and was like, you know what? Adam was right. <laughs> like, I, know, well, I don't I, think I, posts I know, like now that the dust is settled on that game. Like Chris Penn and Reservoir Dogs, like, don't point that gun at my dad. I'm like, yeah. no, just because it's <laughs> Nintendo doesn't mean I'm going to go soft on them. Yeah. And I remember somebody made the argument to me. It's like, well, they might not make another Me- Metroid game. I'm like, I don't care. If they play like this, you, I don't want another game one. needs to be called a bad game. <laughs> They're not going to cancel Metroid Prime 4. That's not yeah. happening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, 
it, it works. I, I, I you like I, playing I, in the sandbox, basically. I guess is what you're well, getting at. No, but it's more because I'm doing it at my own pace. If okay. I felt that I you're was not the games it, journalist anymore that needs to finish it and move on. If there was a sense of urgency with this game, so much more of it would have been annoying me. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, you know, when I was reviewing, I always struggled to try to put that side. It of is me difficult. Aside. It's hard. Um, but it, yeah, I, I, I find it very enjoyable. I, it'll be interesting what happens, I would say in the next two weeks, because I would say in the next two weeks, I think I need to see signs that it's going to end. Hmm. But if you've only beaten one of the beasts so far, you got to wait. I mean, the first one, the wind one, like Pretty Dorito easy. Village, that was a two day effort. You know, at three hours a day, to beat the boss or just to finish the whole stage with the whole stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It takes a day for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's what I'm expecting to do with the other two. I don't know how much further the game goes. The Gorons, they're maybe a little more than a day, but Uh, but you're right. Roughly one. Is that the Lady Town or is that the Rock Town? The Gorons, the Rock Town. Yeah. Generally, the one you're supposed to go to second, by the way, if you didn't already. I I, I found that one so annoying. uh, Well, you have to get the the wild. You have to have a very specific piece of clothing or you can't even start it. So that's what I assume. And that's part of the that annoys me about these games is that like, oh, here I am. And and, 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 and this is what I wanted to get to. Why not just go back to the old style? Yes, that's what I've been (laughs) saying all along. Why? Like, how do you feel about there being no dungeons in the game? I mean, you missed them. This feels more like a dungeon than Breath of the Wild, I, I, I guess. Um, it's more, I, I mean, also a logical flow of progress. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the fun of it was, I, 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 I think the reason why I call these dungeons is this testing me on one thing, mm-hmm. like wind. It's like okay, like there's a, I gotta think wind. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, it was here's some shit. That we yeah. cobbled together in this in this. But if you remember the old dungeons, they build on stuff. Oh so yeah, and I love you get, that. You'd finish the first yeah. dungeon, you get something at the end of it. Then the next dungeon, the first half of it, yeah, you use that thing and you get good at it. And then they start bringing in the other things that you already had, and then that just folds. If they on never itself. made this open world Zelda, I don't know if I would be saying, "God, I wish there was an open world Zelda." Mm-hmm. The problem was they did. The space of time between Twilight Princess and Birdie one. Which one was that? What was it called? Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword. It was too short. Mm-hmm. And so the similarities between them became so evident. It yeah. wasn't that they need to change up the format. They need to change it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to just keep doing yeah. the same thing. But it's like they took that show to heart, spent too long to make something that it's great in theory. It's neat in practice, but it doesn't feel essential. Yeah. And like, if you took a lot of this extraneous stuff out of it, what you would get in return is I think you would have more fun, quirky characters like, you know, not sort of the story itself, but narrative elements, I think would be a lot more fun because you know, when the player is going to find them, Mm. when the player can find them at any time, you have to flatline, this sense of discovery in the game. And that, yeah. you know, it's it, it, it was like the huge problem, say, with the first Assassin's Creed, where you could do anything at any time. Uh Ubisoft like did it, went on a tear for three years of making the same damn damn game like that. And it mm-hmm. became really clear you can't have dramatic progression if you can do it at any moment. Yeah. Also, certain ideas, you don't want them every year. Like you need there needs to be a gap in between them. And yes. I agree with you, the gap between the GameCube stuff and Skyward Sword was way too short. 
Um, yeah. Uh, and I didn't really like Skyward Sword anyway. Like I didn't like no one. I mean, like I mean, I know everybody is reconsidering games. Everyone's like Skyward Sword is good and no. Mario Sunshine is good. No, they're not actually. Well, like, we I think they need... are good. They're not great. Yeah, you're right. And it, I it, with, with, within their franchise. their own, but it's 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 one of those. <laughs> it's like no, we can sometimes be right in the past, and it's still right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Diablo Four now. Yeah, I will admit. I am. I think I'm pretty much at the end of Diablo Four. I got oh, wow. to a, a boss fight. No, not like I'm not playing the end game or any of that thing yet. I'm just playing the single the campaign. Yeah. And I got to a boss fight that I just could not beat. Like I'm playing as a necromancer, and I literally don't think it's possible to beat this boss as a necromancer unless I were to go off and like level up like a million times. Like, huh. I need somebody to come in and co-op this boss with me. And I could never, when I was playing, I could never find anyone to come and help. And we do have like a little, like a Sithid clan, like with a bunch of people. It's, oh, really? Time, yeah, but the timing has just never really worked out where I was like, I need to do this now. And there's somebody waiting in the wings to come and help me. And so I just stopped playing. I quit. And I haven't picked it up now for like two weeks, I guess. Well, I noticed a patch just came through in the last hour. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, you're about to hit on one of the most interesting aspects, which is... I think this is the best single-player Diablo I have ever seen. Agreed, yeah. But, I've never plowed through a Diablo like this before, ever. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I'm fascinated. This is one of those rare times I actually do wish I could review a game again yeah. because I don't know how to explain why this game is so good. I'm at a loss, <laughs> but I well, know it's Well, it's also very good. polished as well. Like, it is so goddamn polished. It's but gigantic like, and it's, it's just not, like careless. Yeah. <laughs> it is not a complex combat system. No. It is. And I did get bored too. I found it repetitive after a while, a little bit. But, but there's something satisfying there about is. this. Like, you can the see the camera every, every like 90 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there, like, where the camera is, it's an archaic presentation. Yeah. Uh, it, but it just, everything clicks. Like, you know, the visuals, the audio, the, the rate at which I'm just getting a little reward, just seeing a little. But the yeah. reason I really wanted to bring this up is I never got to play much co op, period, any mm -hmm. game. Uh, because you're always moving on to the next game. And just as normal people are starting to play something, I'm playing the next thing. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to play co op with this. But to your point, I struggle uh, to, to find get people a friend. to come in and play. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I like to play with friends. I don't like to play with strangers. I don't want to play with randoms either. But I don't, you can't really call in randoms in this. I don't think you can just call in random people to. Come I don't think play. you can either. But right. uh, there's one person that I almost have people the People will just randomly with. join up. Like, I'll be finding yeah. somebody. Some dude will show up and kill Which like one nice. thing and run off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I've been playing with my 11-year-old godson, and this has made the game so much more fun than I could possibly imagine, because... Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, it becomes personal. Well, also, he's like he's only... He just got to the age where he can truly appreciate games. He's been uh -huh. playing them since he was young, yeah. but like he now gets into them. But he doesn't understand games writ large. Right. And so... I don't, he hasn't truly figured out what the whole gist of Diablo is, which is like, it's all about loot. Right. So when he gets a piece of loot that's better, he is so excited. Oh, <laughs> he's still So poor. it's like every 90 <laughs> seconds, I hear this, oh, oh I got something that's 134. I wish I could go back to being that way again. So much fun. It's yeah. like the way I described it to my wife is I'm like, imagine if I was 11 and I found a Playboy. Every yeah, ninety seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. it yeah. It's and we were together. The the other fun thing is, he also has no concept of strategy. 
and he just runs. He runs to every first. door. Is that's he a there. barbarian? He triggers as many enemies as he can inadvertently and sends them right back to me. Yeah, He's he the barbarian, <laughs> and it's so funny because I will funny. sit. I will sit with him. I'm like, okay, we're gonna put the souls in this thing. That's gonna unlock the door there. We're not gonna run through the door, right? Tell it to wait. me. He goes, We're not gonna run through the door. <laughs> he just hears the door open and Pavlovian instinct kicks in and he runs through the door. It's it's so he much fun. He can't help himself. Oh, I know. And it's it, it's <laughs> that's what I'm about realizing is the value of having a game that's so simple and traditional in its design, is everybody can play it. And I think that's the other reason why so many people are playing this game right now. Yeah. And maybe like in lieu of something like Final Fantasy 16, which is going to have yeah. a much narrower appeal, is that you can play with your worst gamer friends on the planet. Yeah. Like everyone kind of has a fair shot in this one. And it's a pretty simple game. And you never yeah. wonder where to go or what to do next. No. The, the waypoints are great. Like they just, it's. And, this, and the storytelling's good. Yeah, like compared way to better than it used compa- to be. <laughs> well, compared to Zelda, yeah, where it's just like we're gonna talk slow, and here they sound like characters, and they and get through their story. dialogue efficiently, and yeah. it, it's it, it's just a it is not. I did not think I was going to be playing Diablo four yeah. this year. I thought like, oh, it'd be nice if I can get to it, and then I heard people talking about it. I'm like, okay, I will started playing it and i just like i have one character for single player and i have one character um that for i play co-op. with because i yeah i'm the sorcerer because i'm like i'll do the work for you you think that he's like, <laughs> i'm not losing your winning, but i'm, I'm actually like, doing the winning <laughs> well also when you're playing co-op i guess like when i'm healing he's healing too so uh-huh. he never thinks he's actually losing health so he thinks uh-huh. he's the best player on earth right. and i'm like nope that's me <laughs> that's me <laughs> yeah but godfather adam isn't gonna say i that. love it i have i have an absolute blast but um yeah it, it's it, it's also in terms of playing two games at the same time diablo and zelda kind of are really nice i was doing that for a while another. yeah yeah i, was, I, yeah, was, I like well, that. that week i was going back and forth between the two of them like every like, yeah. three hours it was yeah. like it was nice to get a reprieve from both of them at times because yeah, diablo yeah exactly can, if you try to grind through diablo and you can't oh, it's, play it's for just, like four yeah. hours straight it can grind you down like it yeah. is very much because you don't get enough a, a new attacks it's like you're doing the same pattern over and over you learn like how long it takes for everything to cool down, you know, the exact order that you fire off all your attacks. Yeah, so that by like the time you get to the last World one, of War the first ones, and, and you're ready to do the next one. It's like, <laughs> if you do that for like hours straight, after a while, you're like, okay. And it was never, and, 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 that, and that's why single player was never how you're supposed to play it, because right. you had to do it with friends and have a social aspect. So they're doing more right now that I can go much further solo play than I ever was able to uh, yep. with, with others. Also, uh, tip of the hat to Rod Ferguson, who I know is aging, right in pace with you and me. Uh, playing this with the controller is such a joy, and I can't, I can't, I can't do mouse and keyboard anymore. Yeah, I know. I, and I really thought, oh God, I'm, will I be able to play it? Because I thought I had to do mouse and keyboard. Oh, I love it with the controller. Yeah, so. well, plus sitting on the couch is great too. Yeah, that's <laughs> instead really of nice. sitting in the computer chair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great, Adam. Um, do you think you're going to go and try to give uh, Final Fantasy 16 a go now that we've had a I discussion? I think so. I mean, so just so my plan, 
I want to at least get Zelda done. Diablo, I'm just going to dip in and out of for God knows how long. You know, yeah. You know, because the like, oh, the other fun thing about playing with an 11 year old is I'm like, hey, what's your camp schedule? When can we play again? Yeah. Um, it's really weird to try. Yeah. Well, we but, can play. Yeah. We, we can play together. Like, we need a friend up and we need to play. I can bring you in. We can maybe I can beat this boss finally. I'm, I'm really low level. I'm, I'm still quite early on. I'm like 20, I think. Um, okay. I think I'm like 30 or something. I'm not that far okay. away from you. Yeah. So, so. I can carry uh, you for a little bit. I just need a little bit of help. And I think maybe a sorcerer is exactly what I need to okay, beat this boss. Okay. Maybe, so maybe. We'll connect. Yeah. But, but uh, definitely, I want to play Spider-Man again just for the story. Also, just because I love that first Spider-Man game so much. Yeah. I want to get ready for Spider-Man 2. And I have to play Alan Wake again ahead of Alan Wake 2. So those are my two kind of like... Those are the two other games I have to play this year. And I want to prep for them. You better do that before October, bro. Well, I got to do it for September, September because like, <laughs> I'm, 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 I, like, I'm making, I told the wife that like, pretend I'm not here for a yeah. week. <laughs> I might hire someone to come in and cook food She's like, for me. Adam, I did that for 18 years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and she realizes. My wife is still doing it, Adam. <laughs> and she hates Todd Howard games so much because she loses me. <laughs> she She's like, it's happen. one of his games again. <laughs> yep. That's what it is. Yep. So, yeah. But if I can fit in Final Fantasy 16, you you definitely got me interested. Like this okay. sounds like an interesting one. I think you should give it a go. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised and then some that it has yeah. changed as much as it has. So cool. All cool. right. Well, that's going to do it for Game Phase episode 348. As I said earlier in the show, please support our sponsor if you can. Head to creamls.com slash sifted. Pick up a bottle. You can go to BevMo. They have links for BevMo there. You can buy your bottle there. There's also a store locator to tell you where you can get it locally. Um, again, they are sifters. They are gamers. Support sifters. Support gamers whenever you can. Why would you support some gigantic liquor conglomerate when you can support someone like Adam and I? I mean, it's just that simple. And while you're at it, why don't you go and support people like Adam and I? Head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D. You can pledge a dollar a month, a million dollars a month, whatever you want. Every dollar makes a difference for us and helps us keep creating content just like this so we can bring awesome people like Adam Sessler onto our shows. Um, Adam, I just want to say thank you. I really oh, appreciate my you pleasure. not been doing this for a while and you agreed to come on Game Face and talk with us. Um, always an illuminating conversation. I I honestly don't want the show to end, but we've hit the end because um, I could talk with you about games forever. Oh, I could too. Which is why we probably need a hot friends. dog in me. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, Adam. Oh, my um, pleasure, man. I wish uh, we could do this more often. So, um, well, uh, you know, maybe after the craziness of the end of the year, we can revisit. Uh, I can hop on with Matt as well because I haven't seen him in so long, yeah. and at least assess what the year was like. Yep. and you can get it from the perspective of an of a no longer a professional. Well, so. <laughs> you're you're always going to be a professional, Adam. Let's be honest, bro. <laughs> oh dear, I mean, come on, it's you're the like mark the, of Kane, like the consummate professional. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thanks to everybody for watching. I know this show wasn't live on Twitch. I think hopefully you guys understand why and you think it was worth it. Uh, we did miss having you guys because, Adam, normally we do like a big Q&A session yeah, right I now. And I know that our audience would... <laughs> it would almost be too they much. They probably have a few would... too many questions yeah. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to spoil that you were on the show. I could have been like, Adam's coming on. Do you have questions for Adam? But I wanted there to be a surprise. Yeah, so I get it. I but get anyway, it. thank you again for coming on, man. My I pleasure, love you like man. a brother. And yeah, like... love you too, man. You take care. Say hi to your wonderful wife. I will. Uh, and I will talk to you soon. 
And where can people find you, Adam, on Twitter and maybe on Blue? Yeah, Star? I'm on Twitter at Adam Sessler. That's the angry version of me. I'm also <laughs> at Adam Sessler on Blue Sky. That's the really nice version of me. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. As always, thanks to our patrons who make this possible. Thanks to all our audience on YouTube, the people who are watching or listening to the show out on all, all the podcast services. You guys matter too. So thanks for every for all everything. Thank you again, Adam. Game Face is up and out. Thank you.